Welcome back, everyone, to Red Spotlight Entertainment, the podcast that brings you all of the latest coming out of the world of movies and more. Well, particularly this installment is kind of a bit delayed, as it usually is. Um, today, I am gathered alongside Kyle Lira, of course, the creator of this podcast, and Peter Martinez, uh, who just shows up every now and then these days. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're going to talk about what our favorite movies were of the year 2022. Of course, normally these kind of shows are um, at the end of the year of which the list is, you know, dedicated to. But it takes us all a minute here and there to really see, well, we should say most of the things that we want to see. Um, we can't all obviously get to it but we do our very best and i think we're gonna have a pretty good selection of films this year overall the way that it works here is as far as we've been doing it in the last year or so we will give off what our honorable mentions were first you know the films that barely didn't make the cut and then Uh, may i may i address something first you could have waited until i was finished but okay okay I, I want to give a resounding um, fuck you fuck you to uh, Hollywood in general for this asinine notion that oh we're gonna just save all of the you know Oscar movies or like the ones that we considered artsy towards the end of the year so that way because uh, honestly I would have been a lot better in a lot better shape had things been uh, distributed evenly throughout the whole entire year, but no, as per usual, they decided to drop everything in like November or December, <laughs> in like the busiest months for me. And honestly, I like to say around zoning, fuck you to the 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 film industry for releasing it, so that way it's fresh in the mind of Oscar goers. You know, and I think that's fucking awful. I think that it would be a lot more beneficial if you release it throughout the whole entire year instead of just waving to see who has the biggest dick. Because honestly, I'm getting fucking pissed off of trying to play a catch up game with movies that are released towards the end of the year. I feel like you really did voice all of our frustrations as well, particularly in November when. They release like 10 fucking <laughs> movies seemingly at the same time. And it's like, hey, if it's hard for people like us who are very glued into this world and are very interested in most things that come out, it's going to be next to impossible for people who, quite frankly, wouldn't even care as much. And it wouldn't even exist on their terms. That's a very good point to make out. And, you know, I think um, that strategy should be altered considering that the movie that won the most awards this year wasn't even released in those months. <laughs> it was released over a year ago. Exactly. Right? <laughs> if so, a movie if a movie is good, it should stick with you throughout the whole entire year. Right? Instead but, of just like recency bias. But alas, it's it's just not. It's just not. And instead they're left with their dicks hanging out just like oh we're just gonna wait until november so that way it you know it this the, i mean these movies are not for the common folk we're gonna just let the oscar you know voters see these movies you know and not even give the chance for the regular audiences fuck you 
Yeah. So clearly it, and I'm sure some of us who are listening at home, like Alexis would probably concur with that most because it is very hard to catch up. It, it's very hard. To, you feel like you're always playing a game of catch up and like you're in a no win situation for sure. Um, Peter, I think, didn't see most of the films until like January, even March when he had like a few minutes of downtime for sure. Um, was there anything else you wanted to say on that, Kyle? I I am a grown-ass adult with a lot of responsibilities, and it would just be nice if things were spread out evenly. That's all. Because there are a lot of movies that I wanted to watch that I just couldn't get to. You know what's also funny? That Andor was released in that exact same moment when all those movies out. So there was a, a bunch of content that was released at the same time, for sure. Um, so again, just to reiterate what I was saying here, the way that we're going to do our top 10 movies list is we will all, um, go around, we'll say what our, uh, our number 10 film was, and then we'll move on to number nine, a, and you know, so on and so forth. That's going to be our show today on red spotlight number 441. Um, Peter and Kyle, um, as we like to dedicate a little bit of time before we get into the good stuff, can you recall some surefire disappointing experiences uh, as far as movies last year are concerned? Were there films that you were looking forward to and then ended up being mm, not worth the time? Yeah, of course, lackluster. Or were there films that you just outright, dis- you know, despised or hated or loathed? Uh... Uh, well, Jurassic World Dominion comes to mind. That's a that pretty easy one. <laughs> in, terms of, in terms of loathing. Um, Guess what? We saw that in 3D. <laughs> you poor fools. Um, hey, that was Peter's choice. Let me see. What else? Oh, I, I despise everything that blonde stands for. People really hated that film. Good. Academy Award nominated. Disgusting. <laughs> blonde. Um, I mean, it, let's not, let's not forget the Robert Zemeckis uh, Pinocchio movie. I did not watch that. I because I got my I got my version of Pinocchio that I wanted to watch. So I mean, it's no, I ain't got no strings on that, you know, as it were. I think one film that was especially bad was Enchanted. No, not Enchanted. Disenchanted. Disenchanted. I didn't finish that. And I think that well, that just, doesn't that speak for itself? It just speaks. Yeah. The Secrets of Dumbledore. Secrets of again didn't watch that. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Well, because he didn't miss thing. anything. Because here's the thing: like, in any given Sunday, I would have been like, "Oh, sure, it's Harry Potter. Why the fuck not?" And all that stuff. But I vehemently um, detest anything that J.K. Rowling is touching. Um, I do not. Which is everything Harry Potter these days? Yeah, which it, it sickens me to my core. Because, like, I was, I, I'm so deeply attached, was so deeply attached to Harry Potter, and it just, it sucks that, that now there's that stink lingering around something that I loved and cherished. Well, um, either way, it was fairly incoherent and incompetent, so you didn't really need to see it. Good. Um, another especially bad movie, I would say, considering how empty and vapid and hollow and corporate it felt like, I consider this to be Pixar's worst film ever, Lightyear. Lightyear, yeah. 
Although I wouldn't consider it the worst. I was entertained watching it. You're wrong. I was entertained in moments. I'll say that. What else but is I, fucking I just, new, Peter? I feel like it, it didn't have anything to offer besides just being the mascot for everything wrong these days with, you know, Disney's direction. I mean, you can make the argument that there are some lower lows in films like Cars 2, you know? Sure. But I don't know. Overall, this film doesn't even exist to me. At least Cars 2, I can recall how bad it is. Lightyear doesn't even come to mind. And if you're forgettable, that's pretty bad. Um, Black Adam was especially horrid. Didn't watch it. Peter, you saw Black Adam, right? Um, well, you said you tried watching it. I skimmed it. <laughs> it was terrible. Um, probably the worst use of painted black I've ever seen. Interesting. Yeah. Also, what was bad, David O. Russell's latest film, Amsterdam. Um, that- oh, a movie that I wanted to like, but I wound up not liking, Babylon. Really? Babylon is on your list for most disappointing films of the year. That is yes. interesting. Cause, okay. Because I really wanted to love that movie. What right. happened? I'm I'm done. This is <laughs> No. Hey, we're nice. only just getting started, Peter. We're only just getting started. Kyle, please um elaborate on we why come out you were so disappointed. Movies, okay. Let's talk about how shit that Spielberg film is. Uh you will have your time in the sun, I guarantee you. Don't worry. Um, I will give you all the time in the world for that. Kyle, please go ahead. It looked it looked fantastic. It looked like a, a lot of promising aspects of it, like diving into, I guess, the pseudo corruption that is the um, that is the early twenties in Hollywood. Let's leave it there. All that stuff. That's good. I agree. No, Let's keep going. Keep going. Keep going. But it fails on all cylinders. Try. It's like it. It took on too many ideas and didn't know what to do with it and how to execute it with perfect tone, pitch, and all that stuff. If you want a perfect example of how the 20s is um, very hollow and very um, fucked up, I would uh, point out to Boz Lerman's The Great Gatsby, because I think that better displays it, uh, and I think that's the best version of Gatsby in general. Um, so Great Gatsby? I barely knew her Gatsby. <laughs> anyway, I just think that it it was it just fired on all cylinders for me in terms of tonally, and I think that it was just it 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 was it was just a mess all around. And at the end of it, and it oh my god, I I was so close on vomiting from how down your throat that whole last um what's it called <laughs> I guess montage. It's like someone is not a fan of cinema. And then (laughs) here's the thing. Not a true cinema lover. Here's the thing, Damien Chazelle. Like, if you really wanted, if you really wanted us to feel like, isn't movies great? You should have spent the three hours you had with us telling us that. I. <laughs> I, I want to say that I was there for Kyle's experience of Babylon, and I it, it did find it, it was a bit contagious because, um, yeah, it did it, it did grow tiresome by the end of it, and, and I noticed that you were 
kind of turned off for a lot of the movies. So I definitely felt that for sure. Um, are there any nice things you can say about the movie? If you want to, not that I'm making you. Uh, the scene when they're first doing their first talkie, I think was a good scene. Mm. Did you like um, Justin Hurwitz's score or did you find it to be obnoxious? I actually liked it. Okay, good. But you it's see how whole, you're, you're, you're providing that whole questions. ending just didn't work for you. Okay. Um, I was going to say with Amsterdam, that to me, I think was one of the most painful experiences when I was awake because it was consistently putting me to sleep all the way throughout the movie. It was one of the most bafflingly incoherent movies I think I've ever seen where things just happen. And there's like no sense as to why it happened. And then it's even accompanied with some of the worst written dialogue you've ever heard. And I say worst in the context of like it only made things more confusing um, and more incoherent into the scenes that were actually going on. Um, perhaps David or Russell should just stay away from movies because this was just this was pretty embarrassing. Um, he should stay away from women. Uh, Roland Emmerich had probably the worst movie he's ever made. And that's saying something um, with Moonfall last year. That was one of the most brain dead movies I've ever seen. Like just why was any of this even a thing? So Moonfall is definitely up there as far as disappointing is concerned. Um, I want to say, yeah, I can't ignore the overwhelmingly angry reaction and you guys are there to experience it, but definitely one of the disappointments, even though I wasn't expecting much of it all was Dr. Strange. Because I liked the film from a visual standpoint. I, I like the score, but I, I don't care about anything happening in the movie. Um, my list will disagree. And that's perfectly fine. We're all going to disagree. I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I see what you mean. Um, there's a lot of potential that you could have done with uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Um, but that being said, I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. No. I'm just like somewhere. I'm just lukewarm about it. Right. That's That's fine. Um, also in this, in this area of not hating it, but more so hating the response that it's received, I didn't find there to be anything special or remarkable about All Quiet on the Western Front. It was just your standard war movie, and it was good. It was fine. It was just the same thing. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> 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 Transformers. Yeah, I love. Um, I love. It, it, this is just like the five-year-old in me. Um, I love in the Transformers. Whoa. Yeah, that that's the. This is the most. Now, why do you got to do that? Why do you got to do that, Peter? <laughs> why? I hope you're happy with yourself. Happy holidays. Uh, anyway, so 
I love it. I mean, it's memed upon, but I love in the trailer. You know what? Never mind. God dang. You just ruined all the momentum. Thank you. Thank you, Peter. I was also disappointed in Bullet Train. I didn't find that movie to be fun at all. Sorry. It's not sorry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. Okay, so now that's through, let's go ahead and start off with some honorable mentions. Peter, since you've been quiet, would you like to start with some honorable mentions? Um, well, you know what? Hold on. Let me just on. ask wait, for wait, clarification. Wait. Before before we begin, you hear that? I cracked oh, open. Oh, God. I, cracked I wasn't op- looking. I thought that was a gun. Oh, no. <laughs> I cracked open a cold one with the boys. Oh my gosh, that, um, that better not be Bud Light. I, I need to clar- ask to clarify something. Um, how many movies do you plan on mentioning in your honorable mentions? 120. Okay. Um, Why do you think also- I got, Alexis, why do you think I got the booze ready? Okay, no. Um, I'll go ahead and start off then. As far as films this year that I would say were notable enough that I would put on an honorable mentions list, I'm going to start off with... Um, Let's see here. After Sun. Hmm. I thought After Sun was a great directorial debut by Charlotte Wells, and it was particularly vague up until it was very clear, and then it was very devastating. Um, Paul Mescal uh, is great. Bardo, also by Alejandro Gonzalez Inaritu, was very, very good as well. Um, Very interesting. Uh, very interesting choices, a lot of risks for sure. I can definitely understand why people were like very put off and turned off by the movie with its choices, but, uh, it always had my interest and I think the cinematography and the production design are, are, are top notch. Also, I want to shout out the woman King. Viola Davis is honestly one of those actors that's great in everything and anything. And as far as the physicality is concerned, she was magnificent as well as Lashana Lynch and the entire ensemble cast here very good very good action film as well and I think when I saw it initially it reminded me a lot of you know the gladiators and brave hearts of you know days past for sure um I also want to shout out Thor Love and Thunder this is the film that everyone loves to kick in the dick and crap on and like use as the poster boy for like when the MCU went wrong and I'm like, there are easy things to kick this film in the face about. The visuals, the volume, the way that it was just made up on the spot with some choices for sure. I think we've all uh, agreed on the lack of Natalie Portman and Christian Bale as some, you know, real easy things to complain about. But overall, it was an MCU film that actually had the audacity to care about characters and growth and themes and arcs. And while not anything especially profound, it was able to accomplish all those things while having humor that was actually humorous, which I don't know what's up with people. They just need somebody to blame, but it's on my list of honorable mentions for sure. Also, Decision to Leave um, by Park Chan-wook. It is... Perhaps the most romantic movie of the year. Um, maybe not the kind of romance that you're thinking it is. Uh, you know, especially given the subject matter that it entails. Oh, it's a gay romance. No, I mean, sure, you want to call it that, but it's Dang. in its literal it, in its literal terms, it's not that at all. 
Um, but it, it's also kind of like a noir film. It's, it's a detective murder mystery, not murder mystery, but it's a, a murder detective story, but also with romance in there. And I, I thought the editing, uh, was one of the stars as far as the film is concerned. I also want to shout out RRR. Um, that is one of the more unique movies I've ever seen. It had everything, literally. It had music, it had action, it had romance, um, and some great effects as well. Uh, there's really nothing, I think, that was that, that comes close to touching this movie as far as uniqueness is concerned. I'll also put out the animated short film The Boy, the Mole, the Fox, and the Horse, currently uh, streaming on Apple Plus TV, or Apple TV Plus, I should say. Uh, some people, yeah, some people found this insufferable. I don't understand it. I thought it was, you know, really charming, had a beautiful message for sure. Um, also the directorial debut by Michael Giacchino, Werewolf by Night. So, so good. And it really rekindled, uh... and it really rekindled my, um, love for horror in a way, uh, and, and that kind of horror. And it made me really want to like dive into um, classic horror films for the first time, which I was able to do so thanks to Peter Martinez. So thank you very much for that. Um, another one that I'm sure some people would find, I guess, a controversial pick, and some would even laugh at it, saying, "Is that really a movie?" But um, I was if about you wa- to say, if so you watch, starting to stretch if the you definition the con- again. If you watch the movie, you'd understand Disney Channel's theme, "A History Mystery." Um, by video? Kevin Perjurer, uh, is a film, no questions asked. It is that. Video. And if you've seen it, you <laughs> wouldn't be asking questions about it. But I definitely found it to be um, one of the more interesting movies. And it led us down a rabbit hole that is real answer kind of wrapped around itself with the struggle that is artistry and in the insecurities that are, you know, involved in that and really about the beauty in the small things that artists participate that may not, you know, they may not think when they're making them would be part of their legacy, but turns out actually is. I think it's actually, it's an especially beautiful story for anybody that calls themselves an artist or anybody that works in the industry and what they were able to contribute through their means. So Definitely one of my favorites this year. Um, good luck to you, Leo Grand. Uh, this is a movie that I was telling everybody for the whole year to watch, and nobody ever did. So thanks, guys. Um, uh-huh. this welcome. is Emma. This is Emma Thompson and Daryl McCormack, and the whole film can come off a bit stagey, as is um, mostly takes place in a hotel room. But the conversations had in this movie, I thought, were fairly, fairly um, eloquent. And if they were communicated across everybody, I think people would be healthier. And if people were willing to have these kind of conversations about what makes them happy and feel less guilt and less shame, we'd be all better for it. And so I, I, I found this to be really interesting. And I think one of Emma Thompson's better performances, and if we're being honest with ourselves, she was definitely overlooked and robbed as far as a consideration is concerned. Um, next is Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. DreamWorks came out of nowhere 
with this instant classic movie. Um, I've seen it several times at this point. The animation style, this movie literally would not exist if it wasn't for Into the Spider-Verse and what it was able to pull off. And the updated animation, the the camera movements, as well as the actual great story that was involved. Um, I don't think Puss in Boots has ever been better as far as a character is concerned. And considering how well it's performed, I think it's an instant classic for sure. One of my favorites. Next was another overlooked film that no one else saw. Uh, quite literally, not just the people in this room. Um, but this one was from Billy Eichner, and this was um, Bros. This was the, the gay rom-com movie that no one wanted to go see. Um, this was actually one of the funniest movies of the year. And this got really swallowed in controversy um, for rather petty reasons. But this was actually one of the ones that was worthwhile going to go see. Next, I had Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris. Like, what the fuck is that movie? I, I know. You're I, just I making up titles now. No, like, I, seriously. Like, I, I was with you. I'm like, what is this movie? No, it's, it's this lady in the 50s who's just warm and charming. And she is able to kind of, like, enter people's lives and brighten it up. It's, fuck that. It's actually a quite um, irresistibly charming movie. That if you watch and you end up like, well, that did nothing for me. You're probably Peter Martinez. (laughs) So next, I will say Tar. Kate Blanchett is an amazing actress. And with this movie, she is especially magnificent. Um, This film is one of the most deeply layered movies I've ever seen. And it takes really more than one viewing to appreciate all of the stuff that's hidden, honestly, in plain sight. Uh, and then the last movie for honorable mention will be Smile. This was the feature debut by Parker Finn. I'll say this, I'm never going to forget that theatrical experience when I had Alexis basically, like, crying. Well, not crying, but just, like, screaming every other second. Um, and it was especially scary, at least for me. So, those are my honorable mentions. Um, Kyle, I guess you're next. Okay, so um I only have five no six auto uh lists. Um I think two would probably um piss some people off here, but anyway, here we go. Um Okay, so number 16, I, this isn't the best movie in the world, but god damn it, I had a lot of fun watching it. Um, Studio 666. I don't know if you guys have heard of it. Have you heard of it, Alexis? Um, Peter, have you heard of it? I have. Okay, so Studio 666 is, okay, think about it this way. It's the Foo Fighters in a horror movie. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. So the the premise is for those that don't know is that uh they're trying to make another album and they find this awesome house with some good good old vibes. They can't explain what, but it sounds incredible. Um but it turns out it's fucking possessed by a bunch of de- a bunch of uh by a by a demon and shit. 
and the demon possesses Dave Grohl, and lo and behold, we follow the band, and they're freaking the fuck out um, to Dave Grohl's antics. Um, it's it's a fun watch. It's just watching this band at, who are quite hilarious, uh, and it's fun to just watch them uh, goof off, and it just so happens that a video camera is following them. Uh, it's really interesting. There's some great kills, some great, uh, some great. Does anyone in the Foo Fighters eat it? Yes. Almost <laughs> nobody comes out of it alive. It's great. Um, and the yeah, so it's great. The soundtrack is great. The um, the acting is great. It start like the it starts off with Jeff Carlin basically saying, "You guys are fucking up. Get you know, get to work and do all that shit." It's it's fun. It's a lot of fun to watch. Um, the next one was already mentioned by Alexis Soto. Um, but I think Disney Channel's theme, a history mystery, is another. Good lord. Is another one of those things, Mike. Just more evidence that you're wrong, Peter. Accept it and move on with your life. I've never seen a YouTube video capture and invigorate things. Um, yeah. So I think that it's just one of those things that it, it, it's it, it, it's so visceral in what they was trying to say, and just like that basic stupid concept, like just take the four note, just take the notes that you hear in the Disney Channel theme song, the dun 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 dun. And the fact that a story and a and a significant story is made story. out of out of just it's those, a great story out of those four notes and digging to find honestly, it's a shame on big corporations for hiding the authorship of artists' work. And I think that that's where I come I know I come from with this. It's just it's amazing how many hoops um kevin perger had to do to find out the source and it has to be seen to be believed how great it is it it's it's incredible i mean i think we're if anything we're underselling it because i it, it, it sounds <laughs> it sounds stupid on paper a youtube documentary for sure but I think that, you know, it's a little, it extends a little bit more than that. And I think Kevin Perger just shows that, you know, that something artistic can come out of anywhere or something creatively visual can come out of anywhere. Anyone can cook. Anyone can cook. Yes. Um, and it sells the point of that. Um, my number 14 is um, this movie uh, will do the quite opposite of what the title uh, gives you. And that is Smile. Um. Oh yeah. Smile. I find oh my God. the thing is, is that I'm gonna be honest here, and I don't want to be like those. I'm not like the other people, kind of thing. But I don't oh, call Alexis out like that. I don't typically get scared watching horror movies. I I don't. But just this whole idea of like just just visual trauma just manifesting itself within you know uh and see a cycle throughout different people um and just like it's kind of like what uh uh the good old 12th doctor said you know cruelty begat cruelty kind of thing and it just like it just shows that and the repercussions of cruelty begat cruelty and i i love it for that um i think i fuck what's her name um sozia bacon yes she was outstanding at this 
my god i feel i honestly if a curse ever was like (laughs) to to show the ability to gaslight boy does she sell it because my god i just felt bad for her throughout the whole entire thing because you're seeing all this shit happen and you're just like oh my god somebody please believe her fortunately somebody somebody believed her um but also uh little spoilers it bit him in the ass too because of it and it just it 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 sucks but it's it's fantastic no happy ending um quite once again quite contrary to the to the title itself smile but i thought smiler was pretty fucking fantastic dude it's it's in moments even kind of relentless too because it just keeps throwing things at you and alexis and i both um agreed that in moments we were kind of exhausted and we're like praying for an intermission because it was like, okay, give us a break here. This is too much. I was and praying course, for misery to end because <laughs> good Lord. Like anyway, so smile, I think smile was, uh, was a terrific, uh, thing. Um, number 13, um, number 13. <laughs> I thought the exact same thing. <laughs> Were you trying to do a Jeremy Johns thing? Because it sounded like it. I, I mean, know. Kyle, yeah. not not Peter. No, I mean, the number should be number 15, Burger King Foot Lettuce. <sighs> For those who get it, you get it. I, I don't, but... Peter, do you get on. it? I will say yes. Okay, you don't <laughs> get it. Thank you. Um, But anyway, uh, number 13, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. Yeah. Uh, I was very very much surprised this will be okay this movie would be a lot fucking higher had not been for john mulaney's character because i love every i adore everything that's happening around uh john mulaney uh but i don't like john mulaney's character i think it's just a distraction because you because it just doesn't tie in with anything thematically that i think you could have easily trimmed that um but i think that this is outstanding. The voice acting from Antonio Banderas is amazing. Just uh Harvey I I say his name wrong all the all the time. He plays uh he plays uh <laughs> Guillermo on uh what we do in the shadows. Oh yeah. Um he <laughs> is fantastic in this as well. Um also and this this hits a little close to home, but I know what it's like to have a panic attack. And I have had multiple before. And the scene that is proudly displayed in this movie about panic attacks, I think it's just one of those genuine uh, scenes that tackle this really delicately and very sincerely that I just found very, um, very profound in watching. Um, also, holy shit, death is fucking awesome. Probably in the top three, if not the best dreamworks villain that has ever come out of that studio um let alone animated films lately yes as far as villains are concerned i i love i love the voice actor who who played him and is just like just iconic lines like compliments to your cobbler i think it's just it's it's fantastic it's fantastic um number 12 um this is gonna make possibly Alexis Soto very upset. You do what you want. I'm looking up the voice for um, uh, for death. Yeah, 
He's death straight up. Um, the Fablemans. I'm disgusted. It's even on the honorables. Um, if you think that disgusts you, just wait. Okay, well, just we wait. The one, Continue, we have the Kyle. One rule, Alexis, which Kyle agreed to, and you did as well. It cannot be on your number one. But okay, go ahead. Um. But anyway. Uh. But. Yeah, okay. So, The Fablemans, I think it's another great Spielberg romp. I'm pretty sure we'll discuss this later on, but I'm just going to leave it at that. <laughs> um, number 11. This was really hard. I, it, it, That's what she said. <laughs> um, <laughs> my, my number 11 um, and my number 10... I've been going back and forth so much, switching it throughout these past months that I'm just like, this one, this one, and it's really, it, it was really difficult to place this one. But I was just thinking about what left a better um, impact um, upon after watching the movie, um, and so I'm gonna say my number eleven is Avatar: The Way of Water. Okay, now I'm offended. I mean, that, that's... hey, shut up! You've been offended at everything that happens. That that come on. That that attack was wholly unnecessary. Whoa. <laughs> Avatar: Whoa. The Way of Water. Yeah, I I love the movie. I love the movie. It is a fantastic fucking movie. But I just think that tense stuck with me a little bit better in what. Um, what it what it had going on that's all i think that avatar the way of water is a visual magnum opus it is a terrific sight to behold improved upon all that came before um but alas number 10 i found a little bit better than than that oh yeah we're we ha- we're gonna have some very different um lists uh if that honorable mention <sighs> was any indication i also want to say uh kyle i'm still low-key mad at you that of all the moments in our imax screening you chose the water sequence to get up and go pee oh my god you fucking yeah you you stupid piece of shit i had like, a pee right, okay right when they jumped in the water the entire reason you pay fucking imax tickets to watch that movie you you just dipped and then you got back right as they got out of the water I, oh my gosh well to be fair when he got back he they were still in the water but he, he had just missed the very beginning now That's he did say part. in real time he did mention to me how unbelievably dazzled he was by the visual presentation of it. I didn't he just missed the very beginning. I didn't even have to see that to acknowledge what a what a visual beauty beauty that this movie Kyle, is. Kyle, no one's taking that I, away from you. We're I not turn, saying you, you, you can't appreciate it. I it's yeah. just I turned I turned <laughs> to Alexis and I said Am I in a fucking aquarium? Cause this looks fucking real. Um all I'm saying is, if you wouldn't have peed, it'd be your number 10 right now. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Um, also, to, to add further clarification, of course, um, even though Peter, of course, doesn't believe this, um, 
we like a lot of these movies and just because as you know Kyle just went to great lengths to stress that there were you know certain films that pained him that weren't on his list and I'm sure Peter will see the exact same thing it's arbitrary obviously and sometimes it's hard to pick a top 10 list when there's like so many you actually really like so that's understandable. Before we move on to Peter's list, uh, I do want to mention David uh, Francisco's honorable mentions, which included um, Elvis, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, mm. Smile, mm. Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, mm. Turning Red, mm. Prey, mm-hmm. and also coincidentally enough, number 11, Avatar The Way of Water. <laughs> that bitch. Oh, he's lucky he's in Japan. He's back. actually back. He's well, back. Well, once I get my plane ticket to Texas. I mean, I would think like, your grievance would be more toward Alexis, who has basically refused to see this movie. She, I I think she does it on purpose. She refused to see Avatar The Way of Water? Yeah. She just doesn't want to acknowledge its existence. She's not. She doesn't care. She's not going to see it. Why? Because she hates the first movie? monster I think that's an attack on all indigenous peoples <laughs> I don't know how we can follow that Peter please go ahead and talk about the films that are in your honorable mentions okay so here's the thing I lied I'm not going over everything I saw or liked. I'm going to go over the things you guys haven't mentioned yet. So, let's take it from the top. Um, By the way, there were plenty of things I didn't mention, but I just don't feel cool the point jets, in mentioning fam. them. Cool no, I want to also I some things. Also, some things that are not mentioned are being saved for the actual top ten list. Jeez. Well, yeah, obviously. I, like, so what are you going to mention that hasn't already been on the top ten list? Like, what do you mean you can't even? You want to one up us with that I comment right there? <laughs> I can't even start my honorable mentions. No, you can't. Being viciously attacked at both sides. No one is this viciously is attacked. You. We're just correcting the record because some Vicious. of your statements leave a lot to be desired as far as, I don't know, context is concerned. Where's that there hammer and nail? Of, right? Like, there are plenty of films that I happen to like that I'm not going to mention because, I mean, Whoa. they didn't come anywhere close to my top 10. Whoa, dude. Chill. Okay. Can I at least get one movie out of my mouth before you jump down my throat? You're on the clock, Peter. Go ahead. Okay. Thank you. Finally. Um, very sad and disappointed to see no one mention The Northman. Are you fucking kidding me? Again with this. <laughs> we just said, okay, what was the movie he mentioned, Kyle? What, I didn't even hear. The Northman. The, the Northman. Okay, that was also very good and one of the best. Awesome, and great. Thanks, also, like, thanks, thanks. Wait a minute. I don't understand this. Some of these movies might get mentioned in the top ten. So anyway, next film, uh, X... No one mentioned X. Very sad. Um, men. This is where I start drinking. Men. Yeah, this is just stupid. Like <laughs> I, I like all these movies. Okay. If you watch men, you can see several men give birth to men. It's uh, it's quite the sight. Uh, the Bob's Burger movie. Also very good. Yes. Shame it wasn't on your list. 
Um, Prey. Prey was pretty good. No mention of it for me, uh, guys. Are you not listening? David had that Hellraiser. mentions. Next film is Hellraiser. For the record, David Moreno had Prey on his honorable mentions list. Hellraiser. Also up there on the list. Um, You know what? I'll throw it on there. Fuck you. Bullet Train. Um, What else? What else? What else? Mm, the Whale. I like The Whale. I know the people aren't crazy for The Whale. I like The Whale. The Sea Beasts. It's a Netflix animated film. It was it was nominated for Best Picture. It was, it was pretty good. Mad God. Stop motion animation film. 30 Years in the Making by Phil Tippett. Uh, pretty crazy. Pretty, pretty crazy. Barbarian. None of you mentioned Barbarian. Uh... Barbarian good. Uh, Matilda the Musical. I'm surprised. You guys like musicals. No one saw Matilda the Musical. She sings her... um, She sings her butt off. Very good. Weird. The Al Yankovic story. Uh, Kyle, very disappointed. Did not hear that. uh, Over there. The menu. The menu was good. Um, the house. It's another stop motion uh, film. Three short stories. Very good. Um, what else? What else? I'll leave it at that. Okay. A um, couple of things I forgot. Uh, I forgot to put on my honorable mentions everything everywhere all at once. Um, I'm kidding kidding nobody believed that for a second um dragon ball super superhero i forgot to put that one as my honorable mentions very very good um argentina 1985 pearl did you mention pearl did you see pearl yeah did i not mention pearl, pearl? i don't you only mentioned you x. x yeah not oh. pearl. pearl was great i think so i saw Goth. her face and i didn't read it when i was scrolling and i thought it was the same no, yeah, Pearl. Pearl, good. All of the Mickey Mouse animated shorts, uh, four of them last year were great, definitely worth anyone's time. The Northmen, which you just mentioned. Apollo Ten and a Half by Richard Linklater. Uh, really interesting animated film um, on Netflix. Also, Lucy and Desi, the Amy Poehler documentary on Prime Video about Lucille Ball and Desi Ardenez. Very, very great um, documentary. Um, the Gardens of the Galaxy holiday special. Like embrace counts? the embrace I, again, the panda he, he gets he plays very fast embrace the panda making of turning red uh was especially great that's a dvd commentary track at um most. this place rules the documentary on i believe it was hbo um i'll say this i actually had a lot of fun with the michael bay movie this year ambulance <laughs> why'd you say it like that because his films are usually awful no, I mean, the, the, the pronunciation of ambulance. What, what did I say? Ambulance. Say okay. Anyway, <laughs> um, let's see here. The animated short New Moon 
And yeah, we're going to go ahead and leave it off there. Anyway, anything else? I also forgot to put the Northman. Oh, so the Northman is on your honorable mentions. Yes. Okay. And so no one here had the Northman in the top 10. Uh, no. Okay. So it's a damn good movie, but it's my least favorite of Robert Eggers. I could agree with that. I have no opinion of him. Anyway, uh, let's go ahead and get into the top 10. Um, we will start off with David's top 10. Uh, or his number his number 10 actually is Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. Ooh. Terrible choice. That is David's uh, 10. Who would like to start with their number 10? I can go. Peter, go. Okay. Let me see. My number 10 is Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. You're lying. Boo. <laughs> Boo. Seriously? It's right here. I just find it strange how this happens all the time. Like two of us will put the same movie in the same position. Mm-hmm. This is so weird. Okay, Puss in Boots. Why, yes. Alexis, do you... All, wait, no, you already mentioned Puss in Boots already. Yeah, he did. Well, he wasn't honorable for him. Yeah. It was honorable for both of you. Yeah. It was, it was very close. Yes. Um, I mean, he's a cat. He's got <laughs> there, it boots. there it is. There it is. <laughs> the cutest little boots. Um, the animation. Yeah, you should have seen this coming in retrospect. There it is. Who is your... <laughs> No, Who is your favorite do. fearless hero? hero. <laughs> um, it's just a solid all-around film. It's yeah. tight, fun, great animation, funny, uh, good characters. It's just one of those where it's like, I think I watched it like three times in a row. Um, it's just good, so good, so fun. Um, yeah, not I don't have like too much crazy to say on it. It's just you. like. You're supposed to be dead. I got better. <laughs> That's funny. It's, it is funny. It's, it's very funny. funny. <laughs> like the jokes really land. Um, and yeah, the animation is beautiful. It's also it's, really emotional too. Like who would have well thought written. a Puss in Boots film would be this emotionally resonant yeah. and hit this hard? I think it's, it's as emotional resonant as the How to Train Your Dragon movies. It's up there for sure. Yeah, there, I, that, the first one was your top ten of all time. Do you not remember? Maybe you're misremembering the show that he mentioned that movie in. I think you're saying it was his favorite of 2010. No, remember he has a list of his top favorite 50 films of all time, and How to huh. Train Your Dragon was number ten. Is that true, Kyle? Uh, yes. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. My screen literally just turned black right now. <laughs> Did something just happen to Kyle? Can you hear I me? I think he's got black bagged or something. 
That's not good. <laughs> You're cutting in what and out, Kyle. Um, that's really interesting. Um, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. Two number tens off the bat and out of the way with. I think we're you're back, Kyle. Can you see us? I could see Audacity running. I don't see the script. Okay, you guys are coming back. Awesome, possum. Okay, you were saying then. Okay, to finish your thought. All right, was it in my top ten? I don't know. It's your list. I don't know. My <laughs> list, my list fluctuates. I don't have an official top ten. It's crazy how I know this. I okay. Well, Peter, it, it you, was it was literally number ten. You claim it. Where's the evidence? He if, literally if, had like a, a list written on like lined paper. He pulled out all folded up. It was a real physical list. Do you have any proof? Um, he does. It's somewhere. Hmm. You see, that list was not a list of uh, of movies, but more of uh, people I've done wrong, and I'm trying to correct. That. So are you Earl. disavowing that list, Kyle? <laughs> My list fluctuates all the time. I've evolved. So that's not. I think okay, I wrote that's... that list when I was like fifteen. I'm hearing then you don't stand by that ranking. No, I don't. Okay, just say it then. <laughs> just, just say that because I'm you're beating around the bush. Just say that's not how I see things anymore. Maybe at one point it was in my top ten, but yeah. it no longer is. I mean, it's. it's a, it's in my top 50 for sure. I love How to Train Your Dragon. So what's your number 10 then? Okay, so my number 10. This is the movie that edged out Avatar The Way of Water, correct? Finally. They made a good Predator sequel. Oh... Oh, okay, okay, okay. Oh, man. I dig the shit out of Prey. I still... I still think about this movie, still to this day. Um, I still think of all the action shots. I still think of how suspenseful they made the Predator, and I have not felt that since Schwarzenegger was at the helm of a of a predator movie and honestly i just i just li loved living in this world it's so unique it's a unique way to have your predator and just like do the carmen you know the the contrast of uh primeval weapons and it, it's just amazing also i love the fact that you know i i love the Native American representation in this movie. I think it's absolutely fantastic. Um, but most importantly, I think, hold on. I'm trying to, I'm trying to see what her name is. Hold on a second. Um, Mid Thunder. Amber Mid Thunder. Yes. I think she is fantastic in this movie. I think she is at the heart of this movie. I love the struggle that she has in this, uh, in this movie also i think dan trackenberg is an awesome director and could make you know even the most like intimate scenes be the most like suspenseful and all that stuff and the way that they had to deal with just primeval weapons to face this technological juggernaut i think is just incredible and just like it ties in with the theme uh of what this movie is um and so i just i i just thought that it was really good and 
and all that stuff. I mean, the last time I loved a Dan Trackenberg movie, it was with uh, Cloverfield. Cloverfield? Uh, with 13. Do you mean Cloverfield? Um, not the not the original one. That's Matt Clo- Reeves. Cloverfield Lane. Yeah, ten Cloverfield Lane. Yeah. Okay. Fantastic movie, and I and I love that movie just as much as I do with Prey, and it's it's fantastic. I love I love the way that it just made the Predator a lot more scarier. In fact, I think sometimes this you know in some of the scenes, like when. Like, you think that the dog is going to die. I think that, you know, just, like, scenes like that are, like, the most intimidating. And I felt intimidated by by this creature. And I think that's what makes the uh, prey really uh, uh, stand out, that the predator is intimidating. And I often think, just like just like Smile, this the curse was intimidating. And I think that the predator was intimidating as well. So, I, I really love prey. I love, I love it. Right now, it's really interesting, Kyle. David's list and the exact ranking of it looks closest to yours right now because Prey was number 12 right behind his number 11, which was Avatar. But then you put it ahead of Avatar, which is only just behind Prey. And then he had Puss in Boots above both Prey and Avatar. So pretty interesting how they're, we're all you guys are just like this close in difference of uh, these movies. I do want to say, though... Um, of course, I respect your opinion, but I, I, but. I for one, I, I can't fathom that choice because, and you can, you can tell me I'm wrong all day and all night. Please go ahead. You're wrong. But I was really bored by Prey. Really? I, I really didn't care about that movie. And I even tried watching it again and it just didn't grab me. And clearly I'm wrong because everybody loves that film. Um, it just didn't. It didn't uh, grab my attention. I don't know. It, it was like, okay, it was, it was a Predator movie, but I don't know. It just kind of looked, I don't know, drabbed. I don't know. It it That film just didn't click with me. And sometimes they don't. But um, yeah, that that's why it was just not mentioned anywhere near oh, also, the movies I liked. I really love the brother dynamic brother sister dynamic um mm-hmm. between uh some of the characters it, i think that they could have easily made it look like the brother was a complete asshole but there's a little bit more nuance to that and i and i like that okay my number 10 is top gun maverick this was very surprising for a lot of reasons first of all I didn't know anything about Top Gun until the previous weekend when I saw the film at home, the original movie. And talk about boring, that movie was just putting me to sleep. That is not one that has aged well at all. Um, you didn't and feel so, the need? The need no. for speed? No, not at all. And I went into seeing this new um, installment of it, and when it started exactly the same way as the first movie did him i was like uh oh what are we in for because is this going to be another one of these like reboot requel movies where it's like the exact same thing all over again um but what ended up happening was a genuinely heartfelt film that had a ensemble cast in all the ways, and delivered also on the spectacle and visuals in all the ways, 
a movie that I would, you know, see on TV when I was growing up. It reminded me a lot of those kind of like 90s films, a lot of those 90s dad movies, but that were also really good too. The action was exhilarating. That whole third act, you just like were constantly at the edge of your seat. I can definitely understand the appeal as to why this was the film that brought everybody back to go see. Um, this really just blew me away. And also one of Tom Cruise's better performances as well. Just really good all around. So this was just an overall piece that I, I don't think I could have ignored putting it here at number 10. So that's for me at number 10. Number nine, Peter. Number nine. Let's get into this. At number nine. Oh, fuck. I have Glass Onion, a Benoit Blanc story. Mystery, sorry. <laughs> Directed by Ruin Johnson. <laughs> Got that. Um, All right. This is also another movie I saw like three times in a row. It's so much fun. It's so well executed. Uh, Ruin Johnson can do absolutely zero wrong in my book. I have yet to see a film where I didn't walk away going, I love this film and I love this man. Um, um, it's, it's great. I love it. Um, Sorry. Uh, okay. Never mind. Go ahead. Yes. It's a, it's great. Sorry. I'm short circuiting. Are you having technical issues as well? Um, something popped up that said it was going to update in an hour. Okay. Yeah. We'll, the laptop. <laughs> we'll cross that hill when we cross it. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I think I still enjoy the first. Benoit Blanc adventure mystery a little bit more, but this one was so good. I really loved the updated cast. I loved the journey of going back and forth through time and revealing things in that way. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, consider me really excited for whatever the third one comes with, but yeah, I could watch a million Benoit Blanc mysteries. David's number nine is The Banshees of Inisherin. Hmm. Kyle. <sighs> number nine. Everybody loves a comeback story. Everybody loves a comeback story. And boy, this is a comeback story if there ever was one. Kim Kardashian? And <laughs> I got the reference. Um, no, but I think that the comeback story, and he is the comeback kid of the hour. And that is Mr. George of the Jungle himself, Brendan Fraser. He Oh my god, he he stuns in this movie. The makeup is great. The costuming is great. Um, Are you going to say the name of the movie? It's uh, The Whale. The Whale. The Whale. <laughs> um, and 
honestly, I just felt bad throughout the whole entire movie, but in a good way. Um, also, it also it sprung out some my own insecurities, but but you know I'm not going to address that right now because this is not a therapy session. Um, but yeah, it it I, honestly I think that this was uh this is a really good film. I love his persistence and what seems like this you know her daughter his daughter played by Sadie Sink is like the most like horrendous beast of a child that you've ever seen but she's you know but his persistence and his absolute adoration for her is uh is something else and seeing somebody you know dealing with a traumatic event and something so uh so negatively and seeing um case in point the relapse scene where he relapses hard i just felt horrible like i was watching somebody's utter emotional and mental downfall and it was horrifying to watch more horrifying than any other movie that came out last year um and i feel like it really drove it home and brandon fraser just breaks my heart just watching his persistence of uh of what he's feeling and uh he captures it so sincerely honestly i've never seen prosthetics in a way this good because with his with the outfit that he was wearing to portray this character i saw no seams because usually oftentimes i could be able to tell where the seams are in a costume or makeup or something like that not with this one at all it's honestly a technological wonder how they were able to pull this off so convincingly um and i think that brendan fraser wears that to such a convincing degree that i'm just like i'm completely bought into this whole thing um it, it like what's mentioned before that it, this movie could be very play-esque but it did it did like it, it does come from a play, you know, it is, a, it was a, it was a play before it turned into that. But uh, I love what uh, Darren Aronofsky did with this film. And I think that he really, uh, really drove home the point with this. Um, yeah. And it stuck with me still to this day. Yes. The whale is um, a really good movie that seemingly got, you know, a really bad rap for, at least from our perspective, the as per usual reasons of like, really? This is kind of a stupid thing to complain about. Okay, so he's fat. What about it? It's fat shaming? Uh, oh, okay. I that wasn't the point? That I don't think he was doing that, but okay, whatever there. Um, my number nine, it's interesting, Peter, for how um, bitterly we disagree about a certain film. We seemingly are toe in lockstep with this one, number nine, Glass Onion. <laughs> Interestingly enough, here, Ryan Johnson, or Ruin Johnson, as Ruin the Star Johnson. Wars crowd loves to call him, uh, has ruined yet another uh, movie. No, but seriously, this guy is, I don't want to say he has a Midas touch, but he's one of those people right now in the industry that whatever he does just instantly becomes, or it just instantly is, one of the best things around. And I don't know if it's just 
because most of the things that he's involved with usually has a touch of genre-ness to it for why that his work is largely ignored by, you know, for lack of a better group, the Academy or the overall critics groups out there. But his stuff is quality. His stuff is top-notch. And between Knives Out and this one, Glass Onion, they're among the best written films maybe ever made. Because truly, how is it that you can make not one, but two murder mysteries that really at the end of the day, the the answer to the who done it is quite obvious and hidden in plain sight and yet <laughs> continuously keeps you on your toes and all the while is able to write such brilliant, quirky characters that in and of themselves are kind of stand-ins for a slew of social commentary left and right, and particularly with Glass Onion. Talk about a film that just came out at the right moment, and it really kind of speaks to, and I think it's the embodiment of what Ryan Johnson has sought to do with these films, which was to really emulate Agatha Christie and her works, which were very much um, written and were the byproducts of the era that she lived in, as well as these films and with Glass Onion, the social commentary that was interwoven so seamlessly with who these characters were and the overall mystery. I mean, that has to be some of the most impressive work from a writing standpoint I've ever seen a movie do or a writer much less do. And I don't think it gets the credit that honestly it deserves. Um, and that's just, you know, the writing mechanism of it. That doesn't even include the dialogue, which was superb. Everything that came out of Kate Hudson's mouth was hysterical. <laughs> the Beyonce tribute, the going on Oprah and comparing herself to Harriet Tubman in spirit, as she would say. But it's yeah. so ingenious, of course. And in the things, and you could, I knew that it, go ahead. You could definitely tell Ryan Johnson was pissed when he was writing the script. I mean, pissed at a lot of people for sure. Uh, of you know that character particularly had had like po- parties during the COVID um, situation. Even the smallest things, like, for example, Benoit Blanc, you know, fangirling over all of these, like, you know, technological, like, privileged things that um, Edward Norton, Edward Norton had on his island, that were kind of like, actually, him kind of overacting on purpose in a way because he was really in disguise the entire time and it kind of like completely like went over my head even to the smaller things like how it is that his character um Edward Norton would just constantly use the wrong word like abbreviate like let's abbreviate this moment and it did kind of catch me a little bit off guard in the moment of it, like, that's not the right use of that word. And it's like, but then it actually became a thing later on when, you know, Benoit Blanc does what he does best and unravel this whole donut or this hole in, in the donut's hole. I don't know if anything the glass can glass onion, as it were. I don't know if anything can top, you know, his original outing in Knives Out, as particularly the sequence when he's like unraveling the entire donut hole. But it was it it came really close. It, it's really hard to say like which is technically better. I think I prefer the first one still, but they're both just like they're they're both just 
on an equal level playing field. And if you love Benoit Blanc and you've, it's a great film and it's an amazing time at the theater. And I can't wait. I can't wait for um, the next installment. So that was my number nine. That is Glass Onion, which is also a film that Peter had as his number nine. So again, the cosmos is just syncing up in some ways where these movies are ending up in the same positions on our lists, which is interesting. Peter, would you like to give us your number eight film? I would. Um, this, 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 this goes out to all the haters. Uh, <laughs> number eight is Babylon. Okay. Disgusting. Babylon <laughs> is a damn, damn fine film. If you say okay. so. It's an expansive epic, like the kind that Hollywood will no longer make, beautifully, meticulously put together by. One of the best craftsmen working in Hollywood today. I don't Mr. remember Chazelle. hearing all these compliments when La La Land came out. In fact, all I heard was nothing but criticisms and accusations of pretentiousness. Now, all of a sudden, Babylon is like, oh, it's this really interesting craftsman. Oh, I, I don't remember hearing these things when La La Land came out. In fact, all I recall were like put downs and insults and slights. But go ahead. So before I was rudely interrupted by a raving lunatic, I was talking about how meticulously crafted. Meticulously, say it with me, meticulously. So the performances, uh, Margot Robbie was robbed because- I'm that's her namesake, right? Yes, she should have been nominated. (laughs) She was Margot Robbie, I just got- (laughs) You know what? I'll say it, Gene Smart. As uh, the uh, critic in the film. She was good. If any, I would say, I'd even go so far as to say she deserved a Best Supporting Actress nomination above the winner herself uh, this year. So, you know, that's saying so. For that scene alone between her and Brad Pitt. Um, And yeah, you know what? If the third final... 10 minutes of the film fucking rolls. If you if you can't see that, um, you do not deserve a cinema. So for the commoners, Peter, can you please elaborate why that that ending of the film meant no. so much to you? Go watch it. Everybody here has seen it. I'm saying at home. Oh, okay. Because no one else watched it. That's for damn sure. <laughs> Watch it, and if you if you get it, then you'll get it, and if you don't get it, fuck you. Okay. Yeah, Babylon was one of the biggest bombs of the last year, and that's saying I, something. I don't need a clip show to fucking tell me that movies are great. I know they are. That's don't you think that, that last stretch was a bit much? It's like, everything it needed to be. You sure about that? Like, did we really need to see Avatar? Yes. Did we need to see all those movies? Like, it, it didn't yes. it seem a bit excessive? No. Also, like, there was a point where it was just fucking, like, colors, like, splashing yes. on the screen with music, and I'm like, okay? okay? That is the essence of cinema. <laughs> colors. Combining. Refraction from light. In order for you to view a picture. 
as it moves. Like I said, if you get it, you get it. I'm just saying, Damien, you know, he didn't do his job well because if he needed that clip show to show us how great movies are. It's showing not to... You know what? Fuck you. Fuck everyone. This movie... Fuck you too. Was, this... Oh, it was This robbed. film has its it moments. It, it has, has its moments moment. of, of pure brilliance. It has every but moment. That's three I, no, hours it wasn't, of brilliance. It wasn't woven together at all. Yes, it was. Like, you're it the was person that likes to like crit- critique other films of like they're not like threading all the stuff that's in it together. Like yes. I'm sure you will attack another film for sure. But oh, this one... This one... I mean, also, I, uh, like, you know what? I hear those the, accusations. No, There's by the I end never of the movie. Actual. By the end of the movie, like, what, what do you mean actual? What? It's pretty apparent. Like, no. why would you care ultimately about like Nellie Leroy? By the end of that movie, I was with Kyle. I was like, yeah, just kill her. Like, who wants to see Whoa. her succeed anymore? It's like, no, you you found her to be a likable presence. Really, she was a disaster in the making. I sorry, I don't hate women like you too. I it's guess. just like it's hard to see anybody like care that much about these characters. I support women's rights and their wrongs. Okay, um, number nine. Um, I number nine. F- I'm sorry, number eight for David was actually surprise, surprise, the Northman. Hmm. Someone actually put it on their top ten, and that was David. Which I have to say, um, I think the Northman can be considered the most commercial uh, of his movies. Um, the most commercial? Oh, you mean the c- director? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. What's his name? Eggers. I think it's his Robert most commercial. This is the most commercial or the closest, I would say, he's come to a film that more audiences can enjoy. Um, in comparison to The Witch or um, The Lighthouse. Um, that being said, he's been somebody that's consistently, well, I don't know. I The Lighthouse left me very cold, um, even though I know you two love it and you two love Edgar. So I, I mean, I, to I have, be fair, that I, island was really, really cold. Sure. Um, but I really enjoyed The Northmen. And really didn't find much to really, I don't know. I didn't have any issues with the film. I thought it was very good. So I'm surprised the film that I happened to enjoy of his, you guys were like, yeah, he's got better movies. And I'm like, okay, sure. Because he does. He does. The Northman is a masterpiece. Sorry, not the Northman. It is really good. The um The Lighthouse. Fuck. The Lighthouse. There Witch. we go. The Witch was awesome. I I I absolutely fucking love that movie. Um Kyle? Number eight? Alright. Babylon two? Uh, <laughs> yes, it is very much Babylon. Um with this movie, I let, let me just say it. Do you like to go on the highway to the danger zone? Because I do. <laughs> um, 
Do I have much nostalgia for the original incarnation of Top Gun? No, I do not. But that being said, I love the fact that a movie could come in a in a in a cesspool that is sequels and reboots. I'm glad that they could take upon original concepts such as the original film and build upon it and make it even better. I thoroughly enjoyed uh, the original Top Gun. Actually, you know, I'm not like, you know, I I I do enjoy it. It's a it's a good good 80s romp and stuff like that. However, I do find that the character of Maverick itself is a lot more developed. Um, I do find, and also some surprising emotional scenes that I find amazingly, uh, uh, that I, that are deeply resonant with me. Um, and on like the cinematography with this movie is absolutely fantastic. I love like what they did with all the, like the, the plane shots. And it's just, uh, I honestly, this would be one of those movies that, I would like to see in 3D because of all of the all of the plane shots. I, when they're up in the air doing their aerial uh, tricks and whatnot, I find it's really, really deeply entertaining and and thrilling to to watch. Um, Tom Cruise, I think he did great as Maverick. He is fantastic, but also I love the dynamic that he has between him and Miles Teller, and I think Miles Teller did a really good job in this movie as well. Um, that scene with Val Kilmer, I it, it 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 made me cry actually, just to see because I know that Val Kilmer has been through a lot of shit, and just the fact that he's in this movie and it just like it's almost like a tribute to him himself. I think it just it, it was it, it was just an added level of uh, of uh, of touchiness with him. Um, <laughs> I love the dynamic between uh, Jennifer Connelly and, uh, and Tom Cruise a lot better than I did with that other girl. Um, there, I think that their uh, chemistry is a lot, a lot more significant in that, in that regard. Um, I, it's just, I, I, I hate to sound like a, like one of those people, but they sure don't make them like they used to. And this feels like just, one of those good old fashioned blockbusters felt like a good blockbuster that, you know, it, it just felt like old fashioned movies. It just sounded like old fashioned movies. Um, yeah. My number eight, uh, speaking of a film that almost feels like the definition of a classic blockbuster in the ways that they used to, I think today more so than anything else, it's merely just a spectacle that I think is front and forward when it comes to blockbusters. But talk about a film that actually took the idea of spectacle and expanded it far more mm. than I think um, anybody would have thought would be possible in what I think otherwise could also be considered a blockbuster in and of itself. You know, in the days of Close Encounters or Jaws, very much in that same vein. That's how it was mentioned. This is Jordan Peele's third film, Nope, his follow-up to Get Out and Us. And, you know, I feel like if for those of you who have been listening for a while, you all know that this is a movie that all of us happen to really enjoy. And more than I would say than most people would freely admit to, we all are of the mind that this is his best movie, or at least the one that we prefer more so um, 
than the other ones. And as far as for why it didn't receive the response that it did from other groups, which, you know, of course, shame on them, it getting absolutely nothing. It is a sci-fi horror film that ended up getting a mixed reaction in a month that no one was watching films. And so it got lost in the shuffle. And that is a damn shame because, quite honestly, this is one of the more rewarding films of the year as far as just, like, getting inside the mind that is Jordan Peele for all of the things that were, like, littered in this film as far as theme is concerned, but then also just things that are there that you maybe are still not quite sure what it led to or why it was there. But it is just, to me... The, the more interesting films are the ones that continue to strike conversation about like, how do you think this thing went or how did this work for you or the Gordy, of course, of it all and whether or not it was apparent for why it was there in the first place. Even some of the as, as little as the facial reactions of certain characters as to like, what is the true um emotion hidden behind that? And then just a big like F you to... All of us who thought it would be a simple alien film in that one sequence where he actually does do a little bit of a, what do you call it? Um, what's the name for that? A fake out. Bait where and switch? He makes you, yeah, well, maybe, yeah, a bait and switch where he makes you think like you're about to go onto this film. And even if it was that, it's like, I could make this movie, but I won't. But even if... Just for a scene, I'll give it to you. And it's so unbelievably terrifying. Like for me, and of course, the ongoing thing of me in these podcasts is that, of course, there's a thing for aliens that I have. But putting myself and reminding what it felt myself, what it felt like watching that scene for the first time, I wanted to get up and run the hell away from that because it was so creepy and scary. And even though... That wasn't anywhere close to how unsettling what was to follow was about this creature, this concept for a creature that also by design resembles that of a camera and how it devours people and then how it craps them out with this rain blood cloud. It was just and the screams like, the, of course, this this. <laughs> I think I drove to Comic-Con that weekend of this movie and there was nothing but clouds all, all over the horizon. And you think that I wasn't thinking of what could be hidden in those things. And I think I walked out of it with, with Peter because he wasn't with us the first time. But I saw it with Peter the second time and we were by the concession stand. And in the distance, I heard screams, which turned out to be the carousel, you know, just nearby. But I'm like, in my mind, just having seen the film, like, oh, shit. <laughs> just like a little bit of a red flag went up on there. And I think, honestly, the thing that's... Kiki Palmer's amazing. I think all the actors do a great job. But for me, the thing that's not really spoken to enough is the understated, yet truly just brilliant performance that is Daniel Kaluuya. Yeah. It takes a lot, I would say, to convey so much emotion and even just thoughts with just his eyes or his face. And to me, that alone was worthy of a discussion for best actor. I think he was just because, you know, by design, his character wasn't as in your face as Kiki Palmer was doesn't mean that his performance didn't have, you know, truly you know, a greatness to it to offer the movie. So Jordan Peele's Nope is just an, an endlessly fascinating film. 
Um, and one, I believe the Morenos haven't seen yet, so that's on them. Really? Yeah. I mean, it's not on their list, and I know for a fact they haven't seen it, so which is a damn shame, because this is truly one of the best films of the year, and I think Jordan Peele's personal best. It's going to be hard to top this one, because it is all the same thing. It has a lot of... It has a little bit of sci-fi intrigue, but it's got... I mean, just truly, like horrible things in it that are you know not like in your face scary but the more you think about it just so unsettling deeply deeply unsettling so that for me is my number eight let's move on unless anybody has any additional commentary but i'm saving that okay number seven peter would you please tell us which is your film that ranked seven on your list number seven is Avatar, the way of water. I'm disappointed. Oh my God, really? That low on your list? The film that you were like so going gaga for and only? Number seven It on was your a list? very good year. Don't even start. It is higher I, oh than my all God, of the rest man. of years. It is higher than all the rest of years. That's so actually not true. It. But okay, you want to make that statement right now. But I, I can will. tell you for a fact that's not the truth. I'm, I'm making it. Um, okay. But, I mean, talk about a ridiculous ranking. It's even more so than putting Dune at number two. And of all things, having Encanto be on top of Dune. Still not over that, whatever that was. <laughs> Avatar 2, The Way of Water. Um, ain't nobody does it like my boy Jimmy Cameron. Okay? Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> This movie, and this has been said many times before, visually incredible. It's crazy because you think he he didn't have much higher to go as far as improving visuals after the first Avatar. This second one really blows it out of the water. Pun is, no pun intended, mind, right? Pun very much intended. Okay. <laughs> Some mind-numbingly beautiful... Um, visuals visuals and not just visuals but like tricks like spider the way he interacts with the rest of these entirely cg 10 foot alien creatures and looks 100 percent real it's so organic and seamless yeah it's insane um but beyond that one of the gr the best things about i think avatar as a blockbuster is the way that it breathes the way that it it takes time to just soak in atmosphere and emotion of not in any in particular action or act, but just a, a state of mind. It a reminds state. every movie out there that inhabits this blockbuster space that you don't need to, in every single second or frame of your film, have to be about the plot. Mm -hmm. You can, for instance, spend... Which is what he did a whole hour, the whole second act was just living on the planet and the environment. And that in and of itself can be far more invigorating than just continuously reminding us about getting from point A to point B. Yes, 100%. And I think that's what's so, that's the part beyond the visuals is what's so unique about Avatar as a series. Um, Beyond that, the characters I think you really connect with in deeper ways than you did the first. 
like I said, uh, Mr. Cameron, he knows his blockbusters. He knows his characters. Mm-hmm. He knows how to, through, even though it's simple storytelling, it's effective storytelling. We're not in Kansas anymore. Yes. <laughs> he made three hours feel like two, which is absolutely incredible. Again, I saw this multiple times in the theater, and I never got bored. I was with it the entire time. It's it's impeccable um, blockbuster filmmaking, especially at a moment where it was sorely, sorely needed. Well, um, coming off a decade where it was sorely needed. Yes. That's my number eight. No, seven. Just when the world needed the Avatar most, he vanished. <laughs> he returned. At number seven is a film that has already been mentioned for David, so we won't dwell too much on this. It is Top Gun. So Top Gun is David's number seven. Kyle. Uh, so everybody, I want you guys to take out your pints. I need you guys to uh, to discuss this and break down that sometimes friendship breakups are a lot harder. The Hobbit. Yes. No, the Banshees of Inisherin. It it. Oh my god. <laughs> no fucking words. It's kind of hard to explain all the different themes and different elements of this movie. Um, But, you know, if just the shock, this might be spoilers that have been trying to like, but you know what? This movie has already been out, so I'm going to go. We've talked about it already. Yeah. On the show. Yeah. if Brendan Gleeson um, chopping off all of his fingers to prove a point um, shocks you, I don't think that this movie is for you. Um, it, it's one of those movies where I feel like it's it's devastatingly funny to be watching this. Like, it's so fucked up in what it is. And I don't know. I don't know. I think the Irish accents really add on to the humor, the tragic humor that is this movie. Um, Also, a a great quote from uh, Brandon Gleeson. um, If it's a sin to punch a a policeman, uh, we might as well go home. Love that. Pack up and go home. I love it. (laughs) Love that line. Um... Martin McDonough fucking hates the police. You can, oh my god. <laughs> um, but yeah, I love. In confession, he said that no less to a fucking priest. Can you believe yeah, that? I love when a priest could also come out of it, and it was like fuck you after a confession. <laughs> um, yeah, Brendan Gleeson is remarkable in this movie. Also, Colin Farrell. Oh my god, if there was anybody, like, if there was anybody who deserved that Oscar, aside from Brennan Fraser, it's gotta be Colin Farrell, because Colin Farrell really hit it out of the park. Um, Just him constantly trying to find closure with with his horrible friendship breakup, and Brennan Gleeson just persistently not giving him the time of day. 
fucked up, but again, they're Irish, so. Um, yeah, also, the cinematography. Oh my god, I think Ireland itself was another character of this movie. Um, and it's quite so, and it, it's quite funny, the the translation for Inner Sharon is the I, the island of Ireland. <laughs> so fucking funny, but anyway, um, yeah, just the whole entire thing. One of the last shots of the movie is absolutely breathtaking, and it, and it's just like, just a moment between these two characters and it's just one is absolutely beautiful um barry kian i think that's how you pronounce his name just say kyogen kyogen why is it debated now no well it really isn't everyone just says kyogen kyogen and no one's disputing it so just say it's barry kyogen okay barry kyogen okay he is fantastic in this movie as well um uh, it's a, I don't know what the name of the character's name, but I'm just going to say Carrie Condon. Um, she's remarkable. Shaban. She is. Shaban. She is amazing in this as well. Yes. I like when, uh, when she was. Was I ever wild? I like <laughs> when. I fucking see. <laughs> I love talk. I love when she was talking to Barry. Um, and tragically, uh, say why don't you go back to your own house i'm pretty sure it's a barrel of laughs <laughs> um it, it's just funny it's just really funny really funny i love i loved every every scene of it it felt uncomfortable but in a good way um and it it just yeah yeah it's so good i could smell the air that's on the island you know um <clears throat> Also, poor Jenny. That's all I'll say. Yeah, that, that's for sure. Um, my number seven. Um, well, I would say there's a lot to be said about Banshees, and we'll get to it. Um, and number seven, I have to say, um, I feel like this movie being number seven really kind of speaks to how much I loved certain movies this year. Number seven is the Batman. Wow. Number seven is the Batman. And the Batman is just about everything you'd want a comic book film to be these days. And to me, that movie has kind of the rare distinction in that, remember when we all saw it? And we were all feeling the same way about it. And we were just taken for this ride the way that movies are supposed to do. Mm -hmm. And I still can't believe how fucking good that movie was. I don't care if it was fucking three hours long. I don't care that in moments it's kind of hard to see. (laughs) Like a little bit of the end. I mean, it's supposed to be, you know, from you know, the story and everything, but it's one that is embedded in the idea that it could, that it's a mystery and that we're putting Bruce Wayne back into a position of being a detective of sorts. And I think it really worked wonders on not just the film overall, but just in getting us to really care about this character. Like to me, as someone who very easily, um, is perhaps the least in caring about the whole 
Batman lore, you know, in comparison to the, to the rest of you, I mean. I, I think for me, this is very easily my favorite Batman movie. Um, it is the most I cared about not just Bruce Wayne, but everybody in it. And it gives us an incredible villain with an incredible performance by Paul Dano. Um, not, not, that doesn't even mention all the other people who are great in it. The set pieces are brilliant. Um, even the romance that's in there between Batman and Catwoman is like, God damn. The music that was provided here by Michael Giacchino, I cannot believe how that went overlooked. Quite easily the best score of the entire year, and it's not even close. Um, it's going to be really hard to see how Matt Reeves can top this, because I honestly, this is just damn near perfect for me. And the idea that it came... In at number seven, mind you, at one point, this was like at number two or three on my list um, early on in the year. But the idea that this came at number seven is quite shocking. Um, but I think that just speaks to uh, six films that I happen to connect to just a bit more. So on that. So with that being said, uh, Peter, I believe it is your turn to reveal your number six movie of 2022. Number six. Well... What do well, you know? The Banshees of Inishirin. Mm. Very, very... Uh, Irish. <laughs> <laughs> That's putting it lightly. Um, I really loved this movie. I found it to be... A very... Spiritual film, I felt. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's it's an in- interesting sort of movement through this idea of loneliness and loss and sort of the anger and brewing in these people that are going nowhere and ignoring the horror that's just outside of their island um it's so dark and so funny at the same time which is something martin mcdonald is just he's perfected and i'm sure him being irish helps that out quite a bit um yeah i i would watch a million hours of colin farrell and brendan gleason just doing anything together yeah um just... I'll second that. I, I'd also add in there Barry Keoghan, for sure. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm sure we can all understand what I mean by that. I cannot believe someone had the sense <laughs> in that film. Or Can you believe we saw a film and yes, she turned him down? Who would turn down that? Um, Carrie Condon. Apparently. Can you believe that? Jesus. I was like, and then he killed himself. Mm-hmm. What? Yeah. I mean, I would too. <laughs> okay, I just leave, but okay, mm. continue. That's about it. It's, the only I, woman in the island turned you down. Yeah, that's that's pretty tough. That is pretty tough. Um, She's not the only woman. 
There's also what's her name? The witch. The old bat. Yeah. Mm-mm. That's very um, much like. Uh, remember in uh, Endgame, it was like really. I wound up with this. It was either that or a tree. <laughs> That's funny. I gotta ask you guys. You um. Would you say, uh, between this movie and Three Billboards, which is his previous work, which would you prefer? Ooh, that's really tough. Because if, if I'm not mistaken, if I recall back the recordings that we did back in that year, we were all kind of parroting the idea that Three Billboards was the best movie of that year. Kind of, yeah. Or, or close to I, it. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I, I, talk to me again in two years. I need to digest more with It's Banshee. tough, yeah. Even with the best films, you, you have to... Um, you gotta let them stew. Because three billboards is oh, well, outstanding. I, I, interesting. Interesting, because um, I feel the answer is pretty easy, but I guess we'll get that later on my list. Um, unless, Peter, Kyle, you had something else to say on that? Um, yeah. Also, uh, to add on to like the whole discussion of this movie, I love the fact that in the backdrop, literally in the backdrop, there's an Irish Civil War. Yeah, yeah. Like a perfect metaphor for what's going on. Exactly, exactly. And none of Martin them Mc... know, really know what the war is about. Yeah. And yet this movie went away empty-handed. And that's kind of and that's kind of like what the character is, because they... <laughs> To be honest, both of them don't really know why they're, you know, they're having this friendship, pres- you know, precipice, you know, going on. So, yeah. All right. David's number six film happens to be, and I can't wait to see the reaction on your faces. David's number six film happens to be one that I also really, really loved. For really specific reason, because of the history I've had um, with the stories. Um, and I can also say, this is probably the only movie that Julio Dominguez saw last year. But here it is on David's number six goes movie. goes to Japan once. <laughs> oh my God. Are you kidding da- me? David, David's number six movie of the year is Dragon Ball Super Superhero. Motherfucker only goes to Japan once and all of a sudden. All right. I guess. Whatever, David. Whatever. Okay, uh, Kyle. Would you like to go or should I go for number six? Oh, my love. Of course. My darling. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this movie, I hunk a hunk of burn in love. Oh, God. Wrap it up. We're done. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh... I'm a sucker for Baz Luhrmann's films. I really am. I love his work. This is no exception. Um, I love the framing device for this movie uh, to present uh, Elvis as like the superhero and Tom Hanks as the villain. Um, the acting was well, well-rounded and 
honestly, like you take one of the biggest names of of music in general, one of the biggest names, and of course you're gonna have Baz Luhrmann do his thing, and it's just so outlandish, so exuberant, so um. So feels like you're on LSD <laughs> half of the time, but in a good way. Um, and it's just, it really, it, I, you really feel the emotions with this movie. And I was just grinning throughout the whole two and a half, whatever, how many hour, hours this movie is. And I was just in it for the ride. I loved every second of it. Even like the remixes of Elvis's classic songs, I I found really really tastefully done. Um, I love the incorporate you know the incorporation of like modern modern music again, like what uh, Boz did with Greg Gatsby. Um, uh, a clear example of what you could do uh, in of a movie about an era in the twenties, you know. Um, unlike another movie that we've mentioned before, I'm not going to say that name again. Um, you keep it out of your mouth. <laughs> um, but like what he did with Gatsby, it just like it really sells home the point of the whole um, grandness. And this movie is just grand. It's an absolutely grand. Um, it's a grand picture. <laughs> uh and i just feel like it it just i i don't know like i said i'm a sucker for baz Luhrmann's films and baz Luhrmann really did a great job with this movie i can't i i can't say any more great things about it it's just fantastic Okay, my number six, going from, you know, one animated film on David's six to mine, and that happens to be Turning Red. You know, up until wow. Lightyear happened, up until Lightyear happened, I, you know, Pixar was on a roll, Disney was on a roll, and then, like, it seemingly things just fell apart, but this is a film that ultimately, like Luca, the previous year was robbed of a, you know, theatrical experience and one that I really believe would have hit really hard if it had been given the chance to do so because this is just on a pure entertainment standpoint, one of the most entertaining movies of the year and one of the more hilarious films of the year as well. Um, there is just something, you know, so special in the bond between a mother and a daughter. But then even more to the point, I feel like, you know, this only adds on to, you know, the the trend that Peter kind of called out when we walked out of, you know, everything everywhere all at once, which is, you know, kind of an ongoing theme that these films have kind of been, you know going at which is you know just the process of you know healing and forgiveness but then also growing alongside you know an older generation that took them most of their life to get to this point of you know acceptance and encouragement the idea of you know may being so afraid to 
change. And of course, the panda is an allegory for whatever you want to put on it. And it works, whatever it is you think you can, you know, relate to. But the friendships here are great. The overall themes. There is just a, a beauty to this film that I don't think has really been appreciated um, as much as it honestly deserves to be. So with that being said, that is my number six movie, Turning Red. And I'm just going to go ahead and keep the ball rolling. I'm going to switch up the order. I'm going to go to my number five movie. My number five movie is another animated film, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, which, again, seemingly, I, I want to say for a lot of the films that I'm going to have in my top five, I seemingly liked more than everybody else. This happens to be one of these movies where I went to go see in theaters twice because I ended up really loving it that much so. You know, talk about a movie having this kind of aura to itself that is just old-worldly and charming and simple and emotional and beautiful. But And I understand that some of us weren't quite captured by this film, um, but I was just irresistibly so with that wonderful score and just the simple beauty in the emotion by in, in Geppetto first with Geppetto and Carlo and the tragedy that happens and of course that births Pinocchio to me it is quite easily the best representation of that story today and one that is far more relevant for these times. And again, also... Even surpassing in, the original Disney film? I was about to ask I, that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Easily. Wow. Is that even a serious question? I'm sorry. I love the original Disney animated movie. But it's like, that, that, that shouldn't even be a serious question. The emotion, the po emotional powerhouse that is stacked in this film is far more um, just brilliantly executed but just far more relevant than the older one could ever be it is a tale of pinocchio where the kid isn't asked to be anything other than himself I mean, that's the whole point of the story is that the father should never have asked the son to change who he was and that to me is a far more relevant picture and story for these times the stop motion though well, the puppetry and the animation i think is at a level that is just, I mean, to say that it's top-notch would be an understatement. It is a visual, visual masterpiece. And one that I'm going to be watching for the rest of my life. I absolutely adore this movie. And I know nobody else, apparently, <laughs> here feels the same way. Which, fine. Uh, I'll take that. <laughs> so that is, that is my number five movie. That is uh, Pinocchio. So who... Would like to go next, Peter. Number five, the good old five zero. Okay, number five is a film that's been mentioned before, The Batman. Dun 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 dun. Uh, by the way, did you guys see the little preview they had for the Penguin show today? I did! I did. It looks pretty good. I want to see it. Didn't even know it existed. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> this is the thing. 
I love Batman. Batman's like top two best or favorite comic book characters for me. Maybe top three, but definitely top three. Um, it the Batman is like a perfect Batman film. It, it, it explores the character in classic but also new and interesting ways all the side characters both um original and from the comics are taken very seriously brilliantly acted it's a beautiful film it's probably the best looking comic book film in a long time a very long time like it is gorgeous um and ironically enough this movie utilizes the volume right and Greg well, that, can, can we just clarify something? The it. volume gets a bad rap. That isn't the problem. It's the people who use the volume, or should we say, misuse the volume, that don't know how to, f- quite frankly, operate. That's it. what I. The that's reason, what I meant. That's what I meant. Okay. It's just that the volume is a great piece of technology. That isn't the issue. It's the people who are ill-equipped to do it and don't know how to use it. Marvel sucks at it because they refuse to put in any time much less any effort in the way their movies look. Continue, uh, Peter. Alexis has stock in the company that produces the volume. Um, it, it's been one of those films where it's almost addicting to me. If I put it on just to watch the first 10 minutes, I'm, I'm watching through the rest of it. Because um, it so mesmerizes me. So the, the, the beauty of Gotham... The classic detective story, the great uh, costume. Uh, what's his name? Is Pattinson. Pattinson is pitch perfect as Batman. Or Pattinson. Pattinson is great. I love that. I think he's the best Batman. Really? I, ever? He, I, I, I mean, to me, I, it's a yes, but you mean ever? Ever? Uh, not, well, movie-wise, yes. Yeah. 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 Um, he's, it's great. Um, yeah, I am on pins and needles excited about the Batman part two. What do you think about the notion that Clayface is going to be the one who's going to be, uh, the big bad? Um, I, I really trust Matt Reeves. So it's one of those things like wherever, whatever I hear, it's like, Okay. Let's let's see let's see it. <laughs> but also, can you hurry up? I want to see it now. Yeah, yeah. He's taking he's taking his fucking time. That's for damn sure. Better be fucking well. It, it's gonna be great. Like you don't see a Danny Villeneuve taking three years in between films. We're gonna get Dune Part Two just this year. Yeah, Danny's got his shit together. <laughs> and shall we say? I think he has more trials and tribulations to overcome, considering. It's a sci-fi franchise in that whole situation. Yo, yeah. Um, so that was the Batman Kyle. You are left. Your number five movie. No, I, real quick. Uh, David's number five movie is The Whale. Wow. That's well, pretty high. Damn it. You took it from me. <laughs> All right. Number five. I do declare. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I fucking love Glass Onion. 
Does he ever say that at all in any of the films? I do declare. He <laughs> no, he doesn't. <laughs> I don't think he does. Not once. Are you sure not the first one? No. Huh. We have to watch it again. Um, but anyway, I love the multiple layers. Ha, see what I did there of this movie. I love that you think that this is going to go one way, but it doesn't. You know, like um, Jake Skywalker once said, this is not going to go the way you think. And it <laughs> there it is. It doesn't, it doesn't go the way we think. Um, and like there are such clear choices in this movie and like predictable things that you're like, but wait a minute, this is Ryan Johnson. He's not going to pick the obvious, you know, route, but then it turns out he does. And that's, what's like the most surprising of this movie. Um, it, all the twists and turns is absolutely fantastic. And also much akin to where Ana de Armas and uh, Daniel Craig were in the first uh, glass onion. I think this dynamic might be better uh, with uh, him and Janelle Monet. I think that Janelle Monet is probably the MVP of this movie because my God, she makes this whole damn spectacle uh, convincing and honestly like fucking fantastic. I think that this movie is fantastic. There's not enough that we, cause we've already discussed this already in another uh uh, podcasts, you know, uh, but I think that this movie is just terrific. I love how pissed off um, Ryan Johnson was throughout this whole entire uh, writing process. Um, also, uh, last film that uh, to feature one Miss Angela Lansbury. Um, what a great movie to leave off on. <laughs> um, and I think that the is just great. It's just great. Ryan Johnson can do no wrong. In my in my eyes. Before we move on, since you mentioned Jake Skywalker, Peter, would you like to share the theory you have about what may potentially happen in the upcoming Filoni movie in oh, Mandoverse? Um, I think it's all but guaranteed. I w- I'm willing to bet money on it that they one of the big. Um, moments in the movie like fan moments is the original crew of oh han, han leia Luke, and leia yeah. all digitally de-aged gonna be there together looking like lifeless ai monstrosities also the fans can stand up and clap it's gonna be great That was the appropriate reaction. That long sigh was the appropriate reaction. I'm feeling nauseous now. Right? No, I'm literally feeling nauseous now. No, I didn't. Oh, so you weren't exaggerating. I'm not exaggerating. I'm feeling You're actually nauseous, feeling yeah. nauseous. Okay. Well, um, would you like to just go ahead and go to your number four, Kyle? You see, when you're like, apparently nobody, you know, cared about this movie and all this stuff, I, you are dead wrong, my friend. And if my nose had any indication of me lying, 
about it, you would see no wow. growth whatsoever. Because I think Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio is fantastic. Probably one of the best animated movies I've seen probably since Moana. No, I stand corrected. Uh, Spider-Verse. I would say Spider-Verse. Um, it's a damn fantastic film. I think that what... I think what Guillermo del Toro was able to do with this classic fairy tale and completely turn it on its head is a unique experience all in itself. Um, like I said about Janelle Monet being the MVP of this movie, I think the MVP of this movie is for sure David Bradley. Yeah, he's and, amazing. And the most like in the emotionally resident, you know, resident resonant of uh of this uh, whole entire thing and puts Tom Hanks to shame, to be honest. Um, and it, it, it just cements the fact and also it never strayed from the fact that, um, that Pinocchio is a little shithead. <laughs> um, but also to incorporate some of, uh, Guillermo del Toro's horror influence. I love the creation scene when they, when he created, Pinocchio, my God! I was just like, "Whoa, yeah this this is on another level." And then when uh, there was a scene where uh, where Geppetto was repairing uh, his town's crucifix at the at the church, there's a profound moment where, and it kind of sells home um, uh, the character and thesis of. Uh, of Pinocchio himself is that, you know, why do they like him and not me? Yeah. Damn. Damn. And it, 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 it yeah, it's just, it, it, it's a beautiful movie, beautifully, uh, beautifully animated, which technically qualifies as live action, but that's another rabbit hole we'll get into probably later. Um, Yeah. Guillermo del Toro, he's he's fantastic. Um, I love the design of <sighs> of Pinocchio himself. It's just it's so it you don't expect it. You expect the little uh, Italian hat, you know. You expect you know the you know to put him in Lederhosen, but he's not. He's he's this absolute behemoth, you know. It, it's almost so ugly it's cute kind of thing and i i think that just just adds to the whole point of uh taking uh taking something as is rather than like modifying it and stuff i just think that it's it's absolutely fantastic and brilliant on that part just by the design the music is great in it in itself. Oh my god! And there's like a running gag of uh, Ewan McGregor trying to get a music number, but just like it, it never comes to fruition until you see. Um, it, it's just uh, also Alexander Desplat's like score of the movie. Oh my god! I I was really I was just in awe throughout the whole entire thing. Also, I I love a good Cthulhu cameo. It's great. Um. Fantastic. 10 out of 10. We'll do it again. <laughs> um, my number four film of the year is Avatar The Way of Water. I thought this 
in a number of aspects, kind of, yes, and pun intended, blew everything else out of the water as far as you know, spectacle is concerned, as far as visual is, but also as far as story is concerned. I've gotten, one of the things that's really gotten on my nerves in recent months is this idea that, yeah, sure, James Cameron, you can have the titles, like, yeah, sure, you're... Your movies are, you have like three of the top four highest grossing films of all time. Sure, you've won Best Director, but you know what, James Cameron? The one thing you don't have and will never have, and don't you forget it, is that as a great screenplay writer, you are not, is one of the things that people keep insisting about him. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? I don't Just know. because his films. I don't know. When Jake Sully said, all right, let's do this. One of the best cinematic moments ever. Best writing. Just because the film happens to have, you know, lines like, we're not in Kansas anymore, or why so blue? And it's like, I'm sorry. There needs to be this disassociation now. Like, if you are going to attack a film for just having lines like that, I think you're just largely missing the point and you're allowing your own biases to get in the way of fairly judging the screenplay here. The characterization in this movie is unbelievably strong in comparison to that of its predecessor. The idea that you took a character that I really couldn't care about, which I think was the biggest issue in the first film, which is Jake Sully, whose narration kind of just like in, in some instances can be, you know, seen as putting you to sleep. The idea of that person or that character coming back in this sequel, I don't think, honestly, much has been made about how much of an improved performance Sam Worthington turns in this time in comparison to the first time around. Overall, that character and all of the characters in this film, particularly this family, um, you really do connect with and you want to and you root for. In terms, especially with all of the stuff that they have to overcome in this film, the overall planet, the the oceans, um, you know, the Tilkun or Payakan, the main Tilkun here, and even something as one of the things that was so unexpected was, for instance, Sigourney Weaver, 70-year-old Sigourney Weaver playing a teenager. And yeah, some people would say, yeah, I could totally tell that was a 70-year-old. I don't care. She played it convincingly. She was amazing as Kitty. And then also you have Stephen Lang coming back, topping the performance he had in the first movie, but then a much more layered and emotional story this time around that's very much you know, reminiscent of Vader and Luke Skywalker with, you know, Spider being kind of the pseudo sun figure in this movie. All of this, I think, worked to a far greater degree than I think I could have imagined. Um, it is one of the highest grossing films of all time for a reason. And I don't know, it really does rub me the wrong way that a lot of people just kind of wholesale dismiss this film when it came to, I don't know, having conversations about what the best of the year was. So that was my number four. Number four for David, and this is not controversial at all, is Everything Everywhere All at Once. It is. Too low. 
Of course, I, I, I had mentioned that sarcastically. And Peter, wait until you find out what came above that movie. <sighs> Anywho, Peter, what is your number four movie of the year? My number four movie is R, R, R. The only blockbuster, well, I guess the biggest blockbuster I have up here. Um, it is a maximalist film. Big heart, big action, big everything in this film. So over the top. The dance numbers, the action scenes, the emotions. It's it's another big um, epic historical fiction adventure that is just it reminds you why you love going to the movies because it just beats at you to your at your core with every emotion you would want to feel and you feel all of it um i really love this one. i didn't expect to love it as much as i did but it's it's um it's a hell of a motion picture so yeah r r r is my number four my number three is the banshees of Sharon. Um, for all of the reasons that all of you spoke to and then some, I think I, c- I couldn't agree more with you, Kyle, when you said what, from a cinematography standpoint, what an amazing film this is. But just for context, just recently, my most recent rewatch of this film, I actually had it on mute, had the subtitles on, but because I, I was like working on something, so I had it on in the background, but I couldn't stop looking at it. It is so picturesque. Just every shot of the island is just beautiful and as far as the humor is concerned yes it's very funny but then also it's very serious too and to all of the issues that peter spoke to of you know the capturing of of loneliness and the resentment going on of everybody you know being miserable on this stupid island mm-hmm. um and you know it, it also i'm really curious to see you know if you know, certain people took something else out of it, but um, really what's among the other things front and center in Banshees is the idea of, well, this friendship between, you know, Calm and Podrick. Was it meant to last? Who was right and who was wrong in this circumstance? And this movie doesn't is not really interested in that at all. Like, who is right or who is wrong? And it really makes for an honest conversation about, you know, the conditions it takes, but then also the reasons that people have for a falling out of a friendship, especially like what it, you know, it seemed like to be a lifelong friendship. But then also with that being mirrored in the background of, you know, the Irish Civil War happening and, you know, how that's really kind of tied back in at the very end of it, which, you know, we leave the film, it really up, I think... Some would argue it's more clear, and then some would suggest perhaps it's left in a vague situation. But, like, I don't know, Kyle, what did you think at the end of the film? Did you think that uh, things were left in a place where the two would continue on in their own paths and have acknowledged that they're not going to interfere? Or would you think that it very much landed on the idea that both admitting, no matter how their differences are, they're just going to continue being friends because that's 
the way things should be. I think tied in with the metaphor of the Civil War happening in the backdrop, I think that it just mirrors what their temperament is. And the way that Colin Farrell said at the end, like something along the lines of that, you know, that the firing will um, will resume, you know, in this in this war. And with all wars, like war has never stopped, you know, regardless of what it is. So I think that with, I think so, I think, I think they're going to continue on with this, um, with this never ending war that they have between themselves. Cause honestly, nothing will change. Yes. it's one of these films that I can put on and just be like captured by a lot of the conversations that are had and also for how, you know, humorous they can be for sure. So that is my number three movie, The Banshees of Inisherin. David's number three film is The Batman. Hmm. So, Kyle. What is your number three movie? I, when I was watching this movie, nothing grabs you like a good cold open. And honestly, this, to hint at what I'm, where I'm going, this opening I just want to describe to you that when I'm telling you that I love this movie I'm not monkeying around and let me tell you something I love Jordan Peele's nope um and Jordan Peele's nope I think it I like I said to another movie, I don't know which one I I was referring to, but like when I say that I had a sm- stupid grin on my face throughout watching this movie, it's fantastic. The Daniel Kaluuya, I think that's how you say his name, was fantastic. Kiki Palmer, what the fuck? Um, she was amazing in this as well, and I love like honestly, like uh, truth be told, I don't think audiences have seen another. Um, spectacle see what i did there um yes kyle we saw what you did thank you thank you very much i deserve all the awards ship them to peel box 120 no i'm kidding um i i I don't think the audiences have ever graced a spectacle since 1975 when mr spielberg himself was like hey aren't sharks kind of scary uh and that's what uh, that's what I felt when I was watching this movie and it just it added on to that factor I it's just because of this movie I I was just like uh yeah I just love it and also it's kind of a western too when I look and I love myself a good western and it's just it felt like a good old-fashioned western you know kind of thing um the score, I forgot who did the score, but he did an amazing job at this movie. Um, and also, I love that, you know, that this movie turned a phrase when it came to uh, uh, what you think is going to be like the stereotypical blockbuster that it's going to be. And it kind of turns it on its head, kind of, you know, 
and I love it. Um, Stephen Yudin is fantastic. This whole entire thing is fantastic. I honestly can't say much good things about it just because it's kind of perfect. It's kind of a perfect film that I that I love to watch, and it is just I I've seen this movie about five times already, mm. and it get and uh, just like Beetlejuice says, you know, it keeps getting better every single time I see it, um, and it's just yeah, it's it's a it's kind of a perfect film to, for me. I don't know, I, I there's not much like it, you know, there's. There's a lot to really go into. I mean, for one, the cinematography of this movie, like, yeah. Jesus, the lighting so effects good. that they did, the score in and of itself, yeah, definitely, you know, harkens that of a western in in, in places. Um, so yeah, that was Kyle's number three movie. Again, Kyle's number three film was Nope. Peter, what is your number three film? You're not going to believe this. It's nope. (laughs) It's nope. Yep. Why does that that disappoint you so? No, no, I'm just... uh, Apologies if it sounded that way. I just like, okay, get on with it. Okay, nope. Nope, I actually think is Jordan Peele's best film. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I even think it's better than his, his first debut, Get Out. Um, to me, it's really what cemented Jordan Peele is like a major director for which I will be following for the rest of his career, where it's just like, okay, he's he's got that special sauce within him that I just want to taste of. Um, yep. <laughs> okay. Don't look at me like that. <laughs> it's very late. Don't look at me like that. Uh, I mean, it just came off in a really um, it definitely came off way. Yes. The point being, um, I really loved this film. I think it's so expertly crafted. Um, I think there's so many layers to the film that I think I don't want to sound like oh, like I I understood it. because I don't. There's just so much to it. But I do feel a lot of it went over people's heads. Mm-hmm. Um, a lo- because there's just so much. Um, the characters are rich and interesting. It's beautifully shot. There's some breathtaking sequences I'll in bet. this film. And um, yeah, when, when there's a turn and you find out what's really going on, um, I, I was like, oh, I love this. It kind of reminded me of the moment and you're going to be really surprised with the movie i just bring up right now uh the last jedi um <laughs> all right i'm taking a shot <laughs> <laughs> take a shot um no but um i remember when we were watching it and once we hit the the throne room scene i think i leaned to alexis and i'm like oh my god i, I love this movie um and at at the point where you you it's revealed what's actually going on with the ufo i had a similar feeling of like oh i love this right and it really delivered with with the rest um there's from there's day for night uh shots in this film and it looks good that's how 
that's insane to me um no i really really love this film and and i cannot wait for jordan pill's next film it's so so well crafted what's he working on next you know what i think i i remember hearing it but i can't remember i cannot remember for the life of me Okay. But I do, I do remember. I think they already announced. He had, he had already announced it. Yeah. I'll Google it because I remember being very, very much intrigued about it. Um. But anyway, continue. No, that was it. That was just... Keeping it short and sweet. That was your number three. Yes, my number three. Okay. Well, we're now in the top two. That is quite interesting. Because I can speak for myself, the top two has been kind of a racking question for weeks and months now. Um, Not for me. Well, I mean, was I speaking for you? I don't yes. think I was. I wasn't. And I made that very clear as of when I said I was speaking for myself, that for me, um, these movies I especially adore. Like the My top five are like films I'm always going to love. And this top two, I'm I'm gonna be honest. Just like since you know, even in in the, these last few days, I was like, okay, am I sure? Am I sure? Am I sure about this? Um, so that's just my headspace for like thinking about like which movie is gonna fall where, right? Uh -huh. So, um, for number two, who would like to go first? You. Um, I'm actually going to defer to somebody else. No, 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 um, no, no. I do not defer. <laughs> well, I defer. I pass on that. And I pass it right back. So while you to decide which of you it's going to be, <laughs> I will uh, start off with David. And his number two movie of the year is <laughs> The Fablemans. <laughs> David, 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 David you, Alexis, you brainwashed this poor boy. David, you were spending way too much time with this uh, degenerate. <laughs> uh, do not let him influence you in that way. Don't let him do it. Well,. All I can say is I feel that, you know, David's picks certainly speak for themselves. And I have to commend them. I think uh, it is uh, quite, quite the list, I'm sure. David, and blink twice if you need help. I, I have to say I'm especially fond of the ranking of this. You know, the second favorite film of the year, um, which I believe came above some movies that um, received quite a lot of love from this group. David, mm, I cannot tell bad. you how disappointed I am in you. I'll tell you this. I don't know I whose no idea it was years father. ago. I don't... Okay, I don't know whose idea it was years ago to invite... You know, the Moreno's onto this podcast, but whoever it was, I think it was Kyle. Um, thank you so much. Um, I regret because it. Inadvert inadvertently through the years, 
um, they've been able to, um, let's just say, have some picks that would never even occur to you. Like, for example, last year we had, um, thanks to one of the Morenos, um, the Eternals movie ended up being on the top two of her list. Insane. <laughs> Insane. <laughs> Oh my god, I don't want to get mad about last year's list too, but whatever. <laughs> I have to say, that would not have been possible if it wasn't for Kyle. You see, you're shifting the blame, but you're the ultimate puppet master, Palpatine. Yeah. I am, I'm not shifting any blame, I'm, I'm being sincere he when I say thank deflect. you so much. He is Deflecting isn't so much what I'm doing here, I'm giving credit where credit is due. And I'm sorry, but like, I mean, Peter, if you want to be disgusted, by the way, this same person also put your favorite movie on top. Yeah, for but that that's year. a given. No, it wasn't. Yes. At no point was it a given that you would have that film at the very top of a list. What happened, happened. Okay. The same can be said with Eternals. Yeah. What happened, happened. Like 9-11. I'm going to punch this pilot, this bitch, and I wash my hands of this weirdness. No, uh, sure. And you were gonna crucify someone. <laughs> hey, it, it was the crowd that crucified the Christ. Mm. It wasn't Pontius Pilate. He washed his hands of this. He took the well. As a matter literally. of fact, um, a review. David did give a review of the movie, and if you heard that review, it should come as to no surprise that he really, especially related to this film. Um, so. There it is, his number two movie, The Fablemans. And, you know, since Nope had a great reaction of two people putting that at number three, I can't think of a greater time to segue into Fablemans, having not one, but two people put it at number two on their lists. So thank you very much. Um, my number two movie would happen to be the one by Steven Spielberg. This is The Fablemans. Being sincere now, this movie really has um, been with me for several months now, and I have watched this movie, I want to say, I've given up on, on counting the number of times that I've actually seen it. Um, full disclosure, look, I understand some of you might be a bit surprised here, um, and I am too, in a way, because, listen, I number two and number one are very close to me. And given how passionate I've been about this movie, and given how often I've seen it and how often I think about it, it happens to be um, a coming-of-age film. And it happens to be about a person who, for quite a long time now, I have really connected with, in particular through who he reveals himself to be throughout all of his movies. And it continues to be with this latest one. I found it endlessly charming. And as far as a screenplay is concerned, um, just so entertaining, hilarious in moments. I, I think this can really... I'm trying to think of any other ones, but I think it's probably the funniest movie in Spielberg's catalog for sure. And I, um, 
I've gone on a tangent, I will say, for weeks on end at this point. The point there being is I I do feel that there is something about his style of movie making that just doesn't jibe well with people sometimes. Um, and it has caused a, a lackluster, I don't know, response from some people. And, and to be clear, I think Peter's reasons for not caring about this movie are, are not the same as most people. So I just want to be clear and like separate those two, even though Peter will not care that I acknowledge that, but, um, So, yeah, I'm going to say this film is a reminder as to why I love all things Steven Spielberg and a reminder as to why I love all things film. And I don't know what more needs to be said. And since we're on this train, I'm just going to go ahead and say my number one was everything everywhere all at once. So, because, I mean, there there really wasn't... Come on. There really wasn't any secrecy. It's not really any a surprise that these were the films that ended up being at the top of it. This film is a generational moment. It is culturally significant. And seriously, um, deep down, this film pretty much encapsulates um, what I would want really humanity to be about. Um, there could be no greater act of love and forgiveness than what is shown in this film. And I was blown away, absolutely blown away in ways um, most movies haven't been able to really come close to. Peter and I were there that week when it opened and we walked out and we were of the same mind. We just watched one of the best things ever made. And I could not be happier um, that this film has gone on to be as resonant the world over. Um, and it's going to be hard, I'm going to say it, for like all of the years that are coming up ahead that are going to you know, produce films that come close to this. But that is the end of my top 10 list. So without further ado... Let's go ahead, and since I went ahead and revealed what the number two film was for David, um, it actually turns out that his number one favorite movie was one that was just mentioned recently. I believe, um, Peter, you put it as your number four. So David's number one film is R, R, R. So, those are two lists out of the way with... um, Kyle, I believe it is your turn. <laughs> you, I guess no, you're done. Go ahead no, and speak to no, I'm what a, your number I'm two addressing, favorite movie of 2022 was. I'm addressing the two big elephants in the room. You're pulling, <laughs> what elephants? You're pulling a me from 2017 when... I could see right, you know, and you could see right through it too. When I placed the Logan as my number one and Star Wars: The Last Jedi as my number two, it, it's you're so, oh my god, you. Well, to be fair to him, it was uh, as you agreed to as well. It, it, it was a rule this year that we could not put um, 
that film, uh, The Fablemans, as number one. Kyle, can you please elaborate on what you were saying? I want to hear more. Because there is quite the there's quite the notion that my number one film, like the two years before it, you know, were gonna be a Star Wars film, and I wanted to shake that taboo. And by you putting you you know, hang what Peter's rules are. You know, because honestly, fuck him. I don't give a shit. Whoa. Um, <laughs> here, here's the here's the. I'm being attacked a lot tonight. I don't here's the it. shut up. Anyway, so and it continues. <laughs> the, You're saying I, I should that this doesn't make any sense that you feel like, um. Fablemans should have been number one. Clearly, you loved Fablemans more. You well, bitched it's, about it's, it to us multiple times. You and, and I continue to do that. You and Peter are at each other like <laughs> freaking Colin Farrell and <laughs> Brendan Gleeson and Banshees of Inner Sheeran. You know, I'm surprised that you don't have a box full of Peter's fingers. You know. <laughs> oh, I like how I'm Donald Gleason, Brennan Gleason, <laughs> Donald. Oh, Kyle, unless I'm mistaken, are you saying I should switch the films? I mean, unless you live under the thumb of Peter Martinez, which I certainly <laughs> do not. I think you should have that switched. I want to be clear here. Um, Peter has been on this asinine thing for months now because. <laughs> Ever since the trailer came out for the film, like, he, he was so grossed out by it because obviously that would be a movie that I would really, really love. And so <laughs> he came up with this, like, rule that I can't have it. And, I mean, do you honestly think for a second that played a role into my reasoning of it? I was literally, like wrecking my brain these last few days like which one goes on top and i so you're saying that spielberg is a bottom i mean we're not gonna bottom shame on this podcast kyle like what, what the fuck is that kind of mentality right there i will I'm, I'm, oh <laughs> shit i mean well you do a lot of shaming as a matter of fact peter so i'm sure you're very comfortable doing that oh my bottoms God. enjoy shaming oh <laughs> <laughs> That's the that's the title of this podcast. Oh God, no! <laughs> um, oh, I love it. Well, I'll tell you what. I thought I was sure, but after hearing what you said, now I'm not so sure. Yeah. So easily manipulated. Next, next, next year, or two years from now, when we do the with the next uh, top ten list, my uh, plan is nearly complete. Well, I'll I'll put it to you this you way. I still talk? don't I still don't buy the fact that Peter liked Encanto more than Dune. Do you buy that? <sighs> like, that doesn't make any sense. Peter does it? sometimes Pe I gave my reasonings. Peter's Peter's list often than not goes by the Ryan Johnson format of not going the way we think. You know, most often than not. 
even though this year it's pretty clear, you know, what's on top for, for Peter. But, um... Okay, this is what I'm going to do. Always a top. I, I am going to um, reconsider the placement of that top two. Pathetic. While... While you talk about what your number two film of the year was. Okay, so my number two, let me discuss to you guys my number two. This movie, you just gotta embrace getting sucked into a bagel. It, <laughs> okay, let's talk about, you know, this conversation <laughs> and everything that's in it, everywhere and all at once. Um, I did, did the Daniels, I, when... I think you need to reconsider. Uh, I don't think so. Um, I'm pretty happy with my number one. Um, but anyway... And also, my number one should be very predictable at this point. Um, Do not listen to a word he says. But anyway, so... Who are you talking to? Hmm? Who are you talking to? What are you talking about? Anyway, so everything, everywhere, all at once. All I can say about... It's just, damn, Daniel, throw that back. I just... I just Do you want to listen to that? Alexis. <laughs> um, I think that this is fantastic. I love that this movie, that the theme of this movie is kind of parents apologizing to their their kids. It's it's fantastic. Um, but when it was Encanto, that was another story. You see, that that apology was <laughs> bullshit, okay? I'm not no no I'm gonna, I'm not gonna fall into it. I'm not gonna fall into it. Um Go ahead, why not? Anyway, no, because that's his that's his trap. I'm not gonna fall he into it. He canceled an entire podcast just to not go into it. Um anyway, I I think that this movie is I I, I literally came out of the fucking screening when we first saw this movie and I said, take that in God though. That's right, you did say that. Yes. I saw this movie three times in theaters, and it got better every time I saw it. I saw it twice in home video, uh, home video and honestly, it's fantastic. I, I just love everything that they, you know, this movie did. Um, I love Michelle Yeoh and, C- and Stephanie Sue. I think their dynamic as mother and daughter... I think is and I, Sophia and I were watching this movie um and comparing and contrasting um about like Asian representation about these two movies that are thematically kind of similar um and I was talking about uh we were talking about Turning Panda versus this movie uh Turning Red sorry Turning Red and this <laughs> Turning movie Turning Panda <laughs> That's the that's the tagline on the poster. <laughs> um, no, but we were talking about turning red and 
everything everywhere all at once Sophia said please this is the Anna you know the Asian representation Disney is gonna give us um I mean versus the way that she reacted when we talked about everywhere everything everywhere all at once and that was okay they did not need to personally attack me this way compare and contrast those are fantastic um and i feel the same way i just it it a lot of it was a little close to home um but also and it i i see a little bit of joy and a little bit of my dad and you know in uh in evelyn's character as well i mean it's just it's just those two things and i just see that you know and it just it 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 made me feel kind of seen in that department um and yeah representation matters and everything that this movie was you know doing especially the multiverse is is just one of those things that i'm absolutely like thrilled about like this is how you do multiverse marvel this is how you do that kind of concept you know and it even goes beyond the bullshit that uh that adult swim did with rick and morty um like a lot of a lot of this shit was absolutely fantastic and kihai kwan speaking of going back another comeback story of the year um he was absolutely phenomenal in this movie and i loved it and the the line that he says you know in another life i would have loved to do taxes and lawn taxes and laundry with you and honestly like cry every time i hear that line absolutely beautiful i was so happy i was not disappointed when this movie won best picture it was great it's a great movie i i, I can't oh I can't. but not the number one movie but not the number one but my, my number one should be very predictable and i don't give a shit i'm very happy to hear you say that because you shouldn't be giving a shit whether or not um your choice was you know expected because well for one peter has been telegraphing what his top spot you know has been like for the whole year and you know that really shouldn't matter ultimately right um peter what's your number two my number two is everything Everywhere, You're, uh, all at once. Okay, you piece of shit. Time out. Time out. Mm-hmm. Yes, you're lying, right? Why would I lie? No. <laughs> no shit. No. <laughs> You're doing it again? <laughs> no, I don't I don't believe you. I don't believe you. I mean it doesn't matter. You you're pulling this shit a second year in a row. <laughs> what? No, I don't believe it. You don't believe it. What's your real number 2? My real number two is Tar. Yeah, exactly. You um, piece of shit. <laughs> uh, Tar is the moment. She's the it girl. 
Oh my god. She girl bossed, <laughs> gaslighted, and uh, got her way canceled. And I love her all the more for it. Uh, Tar is a fantastic film. It is a combination of like a horror film and the blackest comedy you've ever seen uh with centered with a unbelievable performance by uh some white lady it is it's not just some white lady it's the white lady the white lady i'm sorry the white lady and it's it's a movie that doesn't hold your hand you have to really stick with it and really fall into the world and to the character of tar but if you do like i said i think you're greatly rewarded and it's a film you can sit with and think with um and ponder all while just reeling from the powerhouse performance um with the titular character uh i I don't think I'd laughed as hard as I did any other film than I did with Tar, which is kind of a funny thing to say. But there are just certain moments in that film where I just can't help but lose it with how funny it is in my mind. But again, it's also just like also like a horror film in a lot of ways and like black um, as far apartment as... Apartment for sale. Apartment for sale. Apartment for sale. It's um, it's a one of a kind, I think, and yeah, I think it it tackles the subject material with a great sort of arms. It's weird because you're so in the point of view of uh, Tar, but I feel the the film never necessarily picks a side. It merely shows shows you everything that's transpired and you're not necessarily meant to the film never stops to tell you this is a bad person or this is a, a good person who is unfairly being maligned it merely shows you the situation and you sort of kind of come to your feelings on what's happening on your own and it does it in a really really um i think uh intelligent and well weaved together way i i i wasn't expecting to enjoy tar as much as i did when i heard about it it's like it's about a conductor like i give a fuck you know uh it, it's very similar to i forgot the name of it but the anthony hopkins film oh the father uh, the father the father yeah where i was like oh he's old and has alzheimer's okay and then you watch it, and I was like, oh, wow. Like, I'm blown away by the this film and the amazing performance at the center of it. And this is, I think, similar for me, too, in that way. So, yeah, Tar. Lydia. <clears throat> I think Tar is great. Um, and you are right. It is pretty funny. It's really funny in certain moments. Funny. There were two movies that 
were on my watch list, but I never got around to watching. Tar is one of them. Mm. It it had the best original song. And it wasn't nominated for some reason. Damn. Yeah. Well, Kyle. Um... Oh, I'm going first? Yes. Who talks first? You talk first. I talk first. Well, uh, I already mentioned David's number one was RRR. Do we want to go with the... Just put on your cowl. I'll do you one better. Oh, no. Underneath the bridge The top has sprung a leak and and that was our top 10 show everybody no i dude i i can't even emphasize how long i've been wanting this kind of batman film and matt reeves delivered and then some one of my favorite batman universes to live in is the arkham games one of them the next is the animated series i feel like they took the elements of both and gave it steroids. And it just amplified everything that I love about Batman. It honestly, it's probably my favorite Batman movie. Um like it's a toss-up because I love Mask of the Phantasm. Um it, it's just one of those things that I just am deeply, deeply connected with. Um, I've loved Batman since I was probably like six years old or something like that, or five. You know, I remember watching at like, but when I was five, I remember watching Adam West's Batman. I remember, you know, watching freaking, uh, what's it called? Uh, Keaton and all that stuff, not knowing the context of what it was. I remember watching Batman, uh, 1989 and being completely like, Oh, this is different from the Adam West version, but okay. Um, and then, and then all of a sudden, Nolan came out with this spin. I was like, you know what? It just can't get any better. But then Matt Reeves wiped his ass with what Nolan did and did. It's a bit harsh, but okay. <laughs> and, and and did everything that it just made the world a lot more believable it made it feel like its own unique gotham instead of just downtown chicago um and i love the fact that the city has a lot of character um andy circus as alfred pennyworth is fantastic i was getting chills talking because sophia sophia and i we really like love the movie i saw this movie four times in theaters um but anyway so i was talking with sophia and we were both salivating and like chills ran down our spine of the aspect of what's coming next (laughs) and i was just like i need you know honestly this movie is like 10 10 hours long but honestly, I could have done with another 10. Um, 
it, it is just that good. I love this world. Some iconic Batman scenes, just not just scenes, but like like freaking uh, uh, comic book films in general. Um, that scene of like you know the flames, and it's from Bat, uh, Penguin's perspective, and he's upside down, and you see uh, Batson, which I think is incredible in the movie, um, walking towards his way fucking badass fantastic i love it all um also the the score that michael giacchino did um it's just so outstanding so remarkably gothic i love it paul dano in this movie oh my god oh my god and the way he makes ave maria sound so creepy is just one of those things um but yeah I, I love the Batman. It, it's it's so incredible. I, I wish that more comic book movies ran with this concept. It's an amazing movie. And um, one of the ones that I can't believe just got kind of a cold shoulder in response to other blockbusters because all because, you know, it was earlier in the calendar than, you know, in the year. Than some of these other ones. As somebody says, I reject that premise. Well, yeah, I mean, like, Black Panther got five nominations. <laughs> anyway, um, Peter is going to get to his number one, but um, it appears that um, for the first time ever, we're going to have somebody change their mind. Um, Here we go. Yeah, okay. And here. Fine. We <laughs> go. Okay, Kyle, you're right. I mean, I guess if we're thinking about the movie that has been in my head for the most time, right? If we're talking about the movie whose score and soundtrack I've heard the most, if we're talking about the movie who I've seen that I've seen the most in theaters, which is a total of five times, which is crazy. And considering everything about it, yes, okay, yes, you're right. Um, my number one favorite movie of the year 2022 is The Fablemans. But uh, we got there. Which means that Everything Everywhere All at Once is number two on my list. Um, I don't know why it was so hard to just say that, but... Um, Honestly, look, it was a really difficult decision for me because, you know, even though, yes, you could criticize me for maybe taking this a bit more serious than honestly, maybe I should. The question in my mind was, well, you know, I do keep a list all year round on my letterbox account, you know, all the movies I've seen, even the ones I hated. And I rank them as far as like, okay, how did this movie stack up to the other ones? And all year long, I had everything, everywhere, all at once. And look, I don't want it to be misconstrued in any way. I love the movie, clearly, for what it is. And it meant so much to me. But That's why initially... I did go on here and say it was my favorite, 
because it had been the longest on that top spot and it hadn't moved. But um, I'm not going to lie. It also goes into the thinking of, well, it very clearly, in my estimation, was the most impressive and I think the best movie all year round. So it is a hard thing to kind of like wrap your head around because oftentimes you are going to be in that kind of position where, yeah, I can say objectively speaking, this is much better, but do I prefer it? And, you know, I guess a part of me did want to really, you know, go all the way with it. And I very nearly did because even just this most recent week, I put both movies on, both Everything Everywhere All at Once and The Fablemans because, well, maybe if I'd see them back to back, I might have some kind of inkling as to which one I would prefer. But you know, Kyle, you are correct. I mean, for however much I love Everything Everywhere All at Once, it obviously doesn't need me going to its defense everyone everyone seems to love it and i'm happy for it and it definitely got all the accolades and i also want to stress i'm very happy for it again in that regard um but very clearly and quite often very much have rushed to the the defense of um spielberg's latest outing for you know, a variety of number of reasons, but I mean, oftentimes, you're going to know. You are going to know the movie that is going, that, you know, you've been thinking about the most, the one that you've been obsessed with, the one that's just, you know, for all of the stuff that you end up watching you know, in the weeks or months thereafter, it's still sticking to you. You're still finding yourself, maybe not every day, but every week it comes to mind. And then all of a sudden you're reminded of how much you really do enjoy that movie. And, you know, it's very clear to me when we do these shows which one is that one? But, you know, for this one, I just, I don't know, I, I didn't want to be like overly biased with it, but I guess, you know, despite my best efforts, it hasn't, I haven't been able to shake this thing loose, you know? It didn't necessarily make the, you know, the best impression compared to other movies the first time I saw it. And I know I I kind of alluded to that when we did our review of it a few months ago. But sure enough, as you know, some here may have all <laughs> too easily have predicted well before we had the chance to see this movie, it did keep coming up and up again and I kept going back to watch it again and again and again and well what is it about this movie that has just captured my imagination 
it has honestly a lot to do with the kind of movie that it is, you know? And it also has a lot to do with, like, who is the one that's making it. For one, from a direction standpoint, you have one of the best of all time that's personally, you know, holding the camera here. And just as far as, you know, the directing and the editing is concerned, the pacing of this movie is awesome it just goes and goes and goes and it honestly does remind me of one of my other favorite films but this one in a far more technically impressive manner i love richard linklater and i love his movie boyhood and i don't want to reiterate all the reasons why i loved that film you know i think for me anyway part of the charm of that movie was less because it came off like a you know, really impressive, well put together, you know, film, and more because it came across like a collection of home movies that had been strung along together. And, you know, through Mason's, that's the main character's experiences, very much being ingrained in the very years that I, of course, came of age, were very much, you know, um, resonant for me a lot of the things that he thought and a lot of the things that he went through I did as well and I was there for all of that so I um, couldn't help but walk away and I know I'm never going to forget the experience I had with that film um, now with this one it is very much cut from the same cloth but not very much the same movie you know because this one is I would say in the same spirit of boyhood, but the difference would be is you have a technical master here that more than anything really understands how to weave together, if nothing else, an entertaining experience and a charming one at that. And of course, being paired up with Tony Kushner, who, you know, Every one of their collaborations, in my view, has, I think, gone up there with among the best things that Spielberg has ever produced. And these works include Munich, Lincoln, and West Side Story, and now Fablemans. And even though I'm not, of course I'm not, and it seems ridiculous that I have to, you know, go to this length to clarify it, but I mean, I'm... It's it's interesting to me that in some ways I still resonated with a film again of the same cut from the same cloth as Boyhood, you know. This this kid, Sammy Fableman, coming of age, but this is the 50s and 60s and, you know, I'm very far removed from that. Very much grew up in the late 90s, early 2000s. That's my time. But in I still connected very much so with the essence of who Sammy Fableman was. Having this kind of, not necessarily, you know, a gift, but, you know, he has this, this passion and he has this talent and he wants to pursue it very much so. And throughout the movie, he's really caught in between wanting to fully explore that but then also you know 
realizing that in some instances he needed to reel himself back because not wanting to come in the way of his family or, you know, for for the sake of the family, his family that he so very much loves. And in the way that I connect to, to that, not necessarily with filmmaking, but the idea that I care very much so about my family and in in the same way that Sammy has a rather protective um, relationship, a protective and close friendship relationship with his mother, the same that I can speak to. So very much um, that as the bare to bones structure of the movie, I personally responded to and I can definitely, you know, feel the emotion within him in every frame, in every cut of this movie, the idea that this really, really only exists because he lost his parents. And among the many things this movie has made me feel is, you know, how he says it. So much of his life is in memory. And even far younger but I'm still catching myself thinking of previous days gone by but it has made me more aware and it, it's made me want to push myself even harder than I previously did before to appreciate all of the moments that I currently have with them because I'm sure like he at one point imagined himself, I, I, I can't let myself think of a day that they wouldn't be here for me. And he's now going through that. You know, it, it doesn't hurt at all that you have a truly great find in Gabriel LaBelle, right? As someone who is going to inhabit um, your whole essence. I think he turned in one of my favorite performances, and I think for why it is that this so many of the images of this film have stuck in my mind is because of the overwhelming amount of expression that he was able to capture in just his face. Thought he was perfect. And really, at the end of the day, this is going to be a film that I'm going to keep coming back to again and again. I'm even thinking of it. <laughs> I was watching it before. I'll be thinking of it long after. And that really is perhaps the reason for why I do happen to love this more. But again, talking about this movie kind of gets really into the personal of it all. And so maybe that's why at times it, you know, and it's, I'm, I'm no stranger to coming to the defense of many of the things that I love and nor am I a stranger to many of the things that I love, you know, having to be besieged um, by a mountain of bad takes and bad faith arguments. But, you know, if I get a little defensive, it's because somewhere in this movie, I think really is a big part of who I am as a person. So, yeah, that's 
But at the same time, the same can be said for everything, everywhere, all at once, because that to me is another side of myself, which is, you know, I feel to strive for a life of happiness, you have to come away with the understanding that, you know, compassion and having love for all people in all circumstances is, you know, the most healthy way to approach life. And talking is healing. And if we can get to that, I feel like what we saw in that film is really going to awaken a lot of people. And it's just honestly one of the best executed examples of it, if not the very best I've ever seen. And it's going to be a film that is going to live with all of us for the remainder of our lives. It is a pivotal moment, um, I feel. And I think also that film in and of itself, as I've been speaking to these last few seconds, is the embodiment of... um, why pictures are so culturally resonant in society and I think makes one of the best cases ever made for why films overall are reflections of who we are and at the same time can remind us of who we're supposed to be. And here we are. But I've already kind of on that spiel, so... But this is the first time anybody's changed their mind. Spiel or spiel? And with that, I don't know what else you can say. Peter. Uh, This is for all the haters and the losers that are currently talking to. Um, uh, This is a big fuck you to all of you. Uh, I don't need you to come out and with your bullshit lists and your bullshit lies, because guess what? Uh, it won more Academy Awards than any of you will be able to ever fucking think of for the rest of your life. Uh, it 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 was made the best film of the year. You yourself called it one of the best films ever made. You did not say that about Fablemans, so let's get that straight. Um, it won every award in almost every category and is by every metric, the best film of the year, maybe of the decade, maybe of a generation. Um, uh, and fuck the losers that would tell you otherwise. Well, Peter, I don't know how sincere that was. Because, again, these metrics could kind of go one way or the other. I mean, Babylon, for instance, was one of the most reviled films of the last year. Next to nobody liked that movie. And guess who happens to have that in the top ten? A correct individual, yes. Oh, I, I don't see how you're correct in that instance. But then, all of a sudden... You count all of the accolades there ever have been yes. in the corner of yes. what happens to be yes. your favorite film of the year. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone's I just think favorite from- film. It won Best Picture, Best Actor, Best Actress, Best Supporting Actress. You see, uh, all of a sudden, the Academy director, is, val- is valid in this point. All I know All of a sudden. You look at money. You look at awards. You look at engagement, you look at every metric known to man, 
It is the movie of the year. Yes, but as you say, none of that means anything Every in comparison to what how you feel about a movie, right? No. And I think if we're trying to, to be honest man. here. Okay. We we heard you. But I think if we're trying to be honest with and ourselves you're here, honest it's like with yourself. No, and I am being honest here. It's like I said that these top two movies were really hard to pick in between. So is the Fablements you consider one of the best films ever made? I don't know if I can honestly answer that question. Mm-hmm. Seriously. But I don't mm-hmm. see how that matters. Like, Parasite, I can say, was it, the best movie of 2019. Matter, though, if you're directly ranking No, no, them. it doesn't matter when it comes to your personal list. I can tell but you that it does, Parasite, Parasite was the best movie of that year. Did I put it number one? Hell no. And you were wrong then. <laughs> Thank you. You, you know, know what? what? Okay, you're right. You're right to bring that one up because holy shit, that was terrible as well. Yes, I put Eternals as number check. three on my list last year. How is this helping your point? Oh my, my point God. is, we all like the films <laughs> that we like, and we shouldn't have to be put in a position of like apologizing for it. But why so, not? That's my thing. Go ahead, Peter. Continue to talk shit. I died. That was it. No, no. <laughs> you were waiting for that one. This is not how it's supposed to go. <laughs> Shout out to the haters and the losers. What a crock of shit. I mean, it sounds to me that somebody's a bit peeved that no I one else put this movie. I have all top. the facts on my side. Fake news. I don't know. Fake news. The facts that you choose can come as well as they can easily go, but none of that really answered my question. All the Oscars I think part are of you. On this side. I think you could check. I need you. I think you could check all my facts. Everybody knows out of the best facts. <laughs> It is, like some have stated previously within this very podcast, uh, one of the best films ever made. I felt that walking out. Yeah, me too. Uh, Sure. Okay. Um, It is a, a journey that I think... You only go on maybe a handful of times when watching a film. Because every year I go to movie theaters and I see good films. Um, You know, some movies are a little better than others. Some are a little worse. Some years, some movies. Um, But very rarely do I go into a movie and I feel profoundly changed by the end of it. And I feel like, wow. That was not just a journey as far as like in a film, but that has had an effect on me as a person, as a human being. And I think, honestly, that's why the film itself has not only connected with me, but connected with so many others. I think so many other people have felt a profound connection. They have felt moved in ways that no other film has been able to affect them um, 
in a while you know again it's it's not that, that it's never happened you know before but it's one of those rare instances where it's like this is a journey that is both fresh and new but connects with me in a way that feels um like it knows me in a way and even Kyle touched on that um though through more of a representation angle um so you know speaking of a movie that has everything it does have everything it it everything everywhere all at once it has it um, <laughs> shut up so should you shut your damn mouth um the point <clears throat> being when it comes to this film uh-huh. like i said there's a reason why so many people feel profoundly affected by it um it is able to juggle just about every emotion every gag or joke every action sequence with every amazing editing trick they could think of into a emotional journey of choosing happiness yes um it's one for the ages i think Maybe we can all agree on that level. We will. All right. So as we wrap up, here's a recap of our lists. Kyle's number list. Um, at number 10 was Prey. At number 9, The Whale. Number 8, Top Gun Maverick. Number 7, The Banshees of Inishurin. Number 6, Elvis. Number 5, Glass Onion. Number 4, Del Toro's Pinocchio. Number 3, Nope. Number 2, Everything Everywhere All at Once. And number 1, The Batman. David's list, Puss in Boots in number 10, Banshee is at number 9, The Northman at number 8, Top Gun at number 7, Dragon Ball at number 6, The Whale at number 5, Everything Everywhere All at Once at number 4, The Batman at number 3, The Fablemans at number 2, and RRR at number 1. On my list, number 10 was Top Gun, number 9 was Glass Onion, number 8 was Nope, 7, The Batman, 6, Turning Red, 5, Del Toro's Pinocchio, 4, Avatar, The Way of Water, 3, Banshees of Inisherin, 2, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, and 1, The Fablemans. And then Peter's list, which I'm sure he will appreciate I saved this for last, coincidentally. Uh, and number 10, Puss in Boots, number 9, Glass Onion, number 8, Babylon, number seven, Avatar, number six, Banshees, number five, The Batman, four, RRR, three, Nope, number two, Tar, and number one, as he would have it no other way, everything, everywhere, and everyone else. That is smart. So, anyway, thank you all for being here. Thank you all for listening to yet another top 10 list and um hopefully the next one will be 10 million years away from now anyway continue to stay here and to catch up on the latest in all things movies of course coming up in the next few weeks we've got guardians spider-verse indiana jones barbie and so much and so much more here continue to subscribe every single sunday new podcasts under our spotlight thank you kyle thank you peter thank you all for listening if you even made it this far into the podcast and we will see you next time bye-bye